Hello and welcome to another episode of Play Film, where we come together each week to review gems of the cinematic industry. As usual, I'm your co-host Richard Lee, and here with me is Tyler, Kevin, Patrick. And in this episode, we actually have a very special guest, Donald. Hola. And he'll be joining us in our review of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Cut. thinking um this is actually uh very different from all the films that we've reviewed so far and i actually picked this film uh mainly because i feel like the critical reception uh that it had received upon its release is um i think it's unwarranted and yeah and i i would just wanted to know what everyone else's opinions are about this film, especially since uh, it's been four years since it's been released and we're actually reviewing Zack Snyder's cut of the film, which left out 30 minutes from the theatrical version, which is actually a huge chunk of the film that was taken out uh, bit by bit. And I think that at the theatrical release, it definitely did a disservice to what Zack's vision was intended. So yeah, um, I think I want to address the, the criticism, uh, but before we do that, I want to introduce Donald and uh, want to ask you what it is that uh, I invited you here for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richie invited me here mainly because I'm a comic book nerd, um, that and at least uh, he... It, thinks I have some insight on and, and decent opinions when it comes to film and movies and cinematography and whatnot, but mainly I'm the, I'm the comic book nerd here today. Yeah, uh, I definitely invited Donald here to give us some comic book uh, context and references to the film uh, to, up, to help us see um, what Zack Snyder is doing with some of the images and if he is actually being comic book accurate or if he's being inaccurate and he can let us know um, what Zack Snyder is trying to do with, uh, with the film's story. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. <clears throat> so yeah, who wants to, who wants to start? Um, Tyler, I know that you've mentioned, well, when I first mentioned this to... Uh, to the podcast last week, um, off air, obviously. Um, I was kind of nervous bringing this film up, and I, when I brought it up, I, I felt the air in the room, like, oh my God, like, this is going to be different, and everyone's like, oh my God, a superhero film, a comic book film, it's a studio film. But I referenced the ultimate cut for a reason, because we can still have a studio film and still be uh, different. It can still have an auteur at work. And and when I brought it up to you, you're like, oh man, you know, I didn't really like it when I first saw it. So, 
Well, what did you think now that you've watched this version? Uh, did it really change your perspective? Um, okay, well, first off, I, like, I'm totally down with the superhero films. Like, I will watch, like, all those Marvel movies, Batman, everything in theaters. Like, that's, like, me and my dad will do that all the time. But, yes, when I first saw uh, Batman vs. Superman in theaters, I was, like, I just was not feeling it at all. I was, like, this movie I did not like. But after watching this, I feel like with a lot of the movies that we watched after doing the podcast... I always get, like, I feel like I get a true feeling of how I really like a movie. So, like, I feel like by the end of this, I'll have a real, like, clean cut of how I feel about this movie. I definitely liked it more, um, the ultimate cut, but I'm still, like, iffy on on if I truly, like, enjoy, or like the film, you know? So I'm, like, I'm curious to see what everyone else that has to say, because I know you're all going to have, like, good points. But just, like, from just watching it, like, I definitely, like, if I think if I would have saw that originally, the ultimate cut, I would have been like, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. Like, I was entertained. It was worth it. Like, it was long. It was long. Three hours is a long watch. But um, especially at home. Like, I'd never want to watch three-hour movies at home. In theaters, it's totally cool. But at home, I get distracted. Like, any three-hour movie, no matter how good it was, like, this one I had to, like, I watched, like, an hour and a half or an hour and then, like... Stepped, stepped away for a little bit and then came back and watched the rest. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I definitely liked it more than, than the original. Like, the storyline and the plot and everything was way, way easier to understand. It wasn't all, like, jumbled. and So, yeah, I enjoyed it much more than the original. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, when I first saw it in theaters, I didn't dislike it, but I also had that feeling like I'm not sure what to take away from it just because it was incredibly different. And especially since we had all the Marvel craze, that Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, we it kind of built this expectation and our, and our tolerance to what superhero movies are supposed to be. And this film is a deviation from that. And uh, yeah, I think that definitely built up a lot of people's expectations, especially the film critics, as to what a, film, a superhero film should be. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see your point. Mm-hmm. I admire I admire that you pick this. This may be t- a tell about how I feel about the film, but, like, with another film where it's, like, it's a... You're, there's a vulnerability to recommending a film to even friends like us, and especially when we're going to sit here and record our deep, or not deep, but record our own evaluations and compare and contrast our opinions about it. It's a bold move and a vulnerable move. And what I like about the podcast and this group of people, group of friends, is that I feel like I'm able to express a different opinion about if I like something or didn't like something. I just want to acknowledge that. Because like you said, Richie, there was a room, there was an audience reaction, there was a reaction from the three of us when you let us know that this is the film this week. And like, yeah, we played up a little bit of like, oh my god, <laughs> we're finally selling out and all that, but it was just jeering at most, or just lighthearted jokes. And uh, yeah, I'll give credit to the film in the start. I was interested in the narrative, but it did stuff I wouldn't be able to forgive in like any other film. So the context of it being a super film, superhero film, 
if another film did this, the stuff I'm going to talk about later, I wouldn't, it hurt my opinion of the film like it does with this film. Is it because you saw the film as a genre film? So because you said that if it wasn't a superhero film that you, you would be more forgiving? I approached the film not as a superhero film, even though I'm aware it's a superhero film, but I was following the narrative structure, especially at the start where I was doing something unique, where I was really invested the first hour. And I was doing a unique thing with the narrative. I was really interested. I was like, okay, I'm liking this. But then it's a three-hour movie. The last hour was just full of stuff where it's like, you undermined everything I liked at the start. You've changed what I thought the film was going to be. I don't agree with the conflict of the film. I don't agree with the characters' motivations to some degree. Some have better than others, but some are missing it. Some stuff feels like it's not being communicated properly or just... Like, it feels like there's still stuff missing. Okay. As well as, like... And then, like you said, the Artur nature of it. I was able to pick up on the Snyder aspects of the film... And it's a weird, it's a weird thing to see. It's a weird, cause like the message or the, this, this film, it's 2020 out. This is 2016, correct? Mm -hmm. So pre-Trump, I want to say. Well, I think it's right there. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he's like getting the primaries and getting the nomination yeah. for the Republican ticket, but it's not until November he's elected. Yeah. And this film came out in like yeah, spring making of it 2016. Yeah, the year before at least. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's... It's like, it's weird how it's, it's feel like it's aged already and just four years from then, just like the Snyder messaging and his Artur nature, like, oh, that's the thing in his films. That's interesting that you say that it's aged because I still feel like this film is relevant today. I still feel like a lot of this film is still, at least a tone and, and then, and Zack Snyder has said this, that the, the, the film's third main character is the media. So I, I like the, I like that the film use the media as a perspective on Superman. But I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I'm willing to hear your thoughts later yeah. for, when we get to specifics. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, well, I'm sure we'll go into it, but yeah, I can, I could see the auteur nature of the film. I did appreciate that at the start as well as, but then there's some stuff that just rubbed me the wrong way about the messaging as well as the, the narrative, the property of Superman with the messaging, with the, stuff and this is where I, i'm trying not i'm not that familiar with the comic books i've read all star superman which is like the definitive one in my opinion unless you know one better Donald. <laughs> it's funny that you, you use that word that it's a definitive superman but like there there are so many incarnations and iterations yes. of all the characters so it's hard to say what's what's accurate and what's not because, yeah there is a there's a lot of points where like i'm like what is, like, the true... I guess what hopefully Donald knows, like, what's the true, like, origin of, like, Batman, of, like, the opening scene and Superman and stuff? There's a lot, of, a lot of things that I'm, like, if I had more comic book knowledge, I feel like I'd have a better grasp on it. Yeah. And I'm aware of, with that knowledge, in the context of the superhero variety, and if you go into it, like, with a superhero expectation, it may elevate the film... But I tried to approach it for this viewing as just a, what is the narrative? What do I know about the characters with a vague, like just All-Star Superman and Sunday Morning Superman when I was a kid? Those are my references. <laughs> but what does that compare to what the context of this film is without trying to give negative or positive connotations? And just, 
it was a it was a challenging not challenging watch, but it was a. This is one of the films I felt like I've had the most critical eye for. Because I know we're going to want to talk about all the stuff. <laughs> well, that's but, like good. confessions, I was just like, "This is a wild ride, and I'm loving it." <laughs> and I didn't even think about nothing. Where this one was like, "Okay, I'm, I got to see the tour nature. I got to see what he's saying." And then from there, I formulated my opinion. And picking this movie, I think, was a great pick. Thank you, um, Donald. I'm going. All right. Um, should just I, I guess I'll just start out with when I saw this movie when it came out in 2016. I I did approach it initially initially as a a comic book uh, film. Um, I wasn't going in with the same expectations as it was for something that I'd seen from Marvel, and that's just mainly because I'd I'd seen Man of Steel. I'd had I've kept up to date on like the comic book side, and like they were at least Batman, Superman, and all the superheroes at that time were getting a little bit more postmodern. They're getting a little bit more shades of gray, getting a little bit more gritty. Um, so I was understanding of that, but once I came out of it, I, like what most of you are saying so far, is I didn't like it, but I also didn't not like it. It was a very in-between situation, and... It wasn't until I actually saw the ultimate cut when it came out on Blu-ray where it was like, okay, some of this is actually making sense and I can actually approach this and, and dissect this with a critical uh, uh, eye for the decisions that Zack Snyder made and all the, the cinematography and, and the auteur nature of the actual film. That being said, there are some things where I, like Pat, I can't forgive it even it being a comic book movie um but that being said i do like the movie i do like the film after however like four years and after watching it a number of times and rethinking my situation on certain aspects and really trying to consider what uh zack snyder is saying about the nature of the characters and after like doing that and like you guys said after having like some comic book insight it kind of it kind of made me appreciate the film more in aspects, but as some of you have already said, there are certain things where I just don't like it. And I'll elaborate on all of that later. Um. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um. Once again... Like like was mentioned earlier, the fact that I love, one of the biggest things I love about doing this podcast is being able to have it be free and open range for any movie that we pick each time that we come together and do this. And regardless of our whole like stance of, you know, like finding gems and trying to recommend them to people, it doesn't necessarily have to be like indie or you know, like, very obscure movies from, like, the 20s or something like that. It could be literally any movie that um, any one of us or any guest, for that matter, can bring on to this platform and openly discuss. I, I still like to think about this podcast as what it was like when we originally came together, which was like a book club, but for movies, and where we can all come together and discuss our own stances on that pick of whatever of, of the week or what have you. Um, I feel like there's a butt coming. 
<laughs> However, no, 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 no. There's no butt coming. I'm just. I'm also just appreciating the fact that like we can all have an open discussion about this sort of thing, and you know, as was mentioned earlier by Pat, there's a lot of vulnerability that comes into you know bringing out a movie for everyone to openly discuss and whatnot, and I I always love your picks, Richie, because, like, whether or not, I don't know, like, it just adds, like, such a unique, uh, changing, of, changing of, a uh, course whenever we go through the motions of each week of us swapping out turns and whatnot, and each one of us have our own, like, styles of picking and stuff, and I love that, and I'm really excited for the discussion that we have on this movie, because I come from a place where I am not too... I'm not too familiar with uh, with the history behind comic books and superheroes and everything like that, and I know by saying that it risks the way that I viewed this movie as being a superhero movie, which I am aware of as well. But I didn't also I also didn't go into it thinking of it that way, and the only prior knowledge that I have to this movie is having read The Dark Knight Returns, of course, and then also whatever um, shows or readings, I mean, with Batman, for instance, I've, I've, read a, I've read a lot of his standalone stories, like The Long Halloween, um, Killing Joke, all of these other very one-off stories, and I'm not too familiar with Superman and his ideals and what he stands for. And even just the symbolism behind both of these characters and uh, one being more uh, individualistic rather than another who is doing it for the greater good, I should say. Um, now, as far as the movie goes, I am not in the same boat where I watched the original movie or the original theatrical cut and then seeing the ultimate cut. So I'm not very familiar with the changes that were added or taken or altered for that matter. But just watching this as a standalone movie, I appreciated how ambitious it was because to capture two, two very iconic characters and having them, I guess, like face off in a battle of ideals is a very large undertaking to do and to capture not only one massive city but to try and encapsulate the antithesis of it um, by including uh, Gotham and um, Metropolis that wow I, I commend the writers and everyone else who had to go into making this movie with art direction and just everything that goes into that um, I feel like the movie itself undercut it, its own message, though, and it's hard for me to, I guess, view this movie as something that was sure of what it was trying to say, because in my mind, it's already being framed up as a battle of, a battle of ideals, and what it comes out with, I don't believe it is that. So I feel like it was being it was being set up to be this discussion piece 
and then at the end of it, there's nothing really to discuss in terms of ideologies, because it's just, I don't know, it felt like it was winding up for the pitch, and then it just completely dropped the ball on its messaging. That's yeah, very I interesting. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait to discuss that because um, I agree with that too. I actually disagree. <laughs> so that's funny that the three of you guys do. So I um, I can't wait to see what what messages you guys took away from the film. Um, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, um, and I asked Tyler before the podcast. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you in particular um, what. Were some cinematic references did you see in the film to other films? Not not just comic book films, but did you see any references at all? Like to other movies? Yes. I mean, that seems like you're fishing for an answer there because No, I'm I just can... saying it's a yes or no. Like did you did you think the film was doing any references to other films? See, but why though? Like why is that question vital to this discussion? Because, <laughs> because I can no, I because, can simply Because turn it there there is a film that you watched that there's, recently. There's been I wonder so many other it. movies that we see where they yeah. are influenced by countless movies that we can't exactly. even begin to list. I know, but I'm just asking you, like, did you see any of the references? In every movie, I see references. So yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, your question. We don't have to. We don't have to do semantics. But I'm just. I'm just saying, like. All right. What, um, are, you, what are you? What are you up to bat for? No, I'm just. I'm, no, I, I, I want you. I want you to tell me what what, what movie references did you see in the movie? I don't know. It's been like a week since I've seen it, and I. I mean, obviously, there's there's some to Citizen Kane, of course. Yeah. And even to other previous like superhero movies too, and ones that also don't belong in that genre, I can't come up with a list off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. if I were to watch it again, I could list the ones that I do recognize. Okay. I have a funny one. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman and Batman, that weird scene that's a one-off, it's a fancy dinner, sort of Alexandria's mentioned, even though it doesn't play a role. Yeah, they're at the museum. The museum, exactly. Uh, the Eyes Wide Shut intro music is playing, and that's very deliberately. <laughs> I, that's one where I can say, oh, he's, he's doing a Kubrick reference. But that immediately put it in my mind of, like, is Batman going to get cucked by Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I got the reference. I got the reference, but I was like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, Eyes Wide Shut's so good. And, like, yeah. they walk over and talk about a hard drive. Yeah. And then the scene ends, I was like... Oh, okay. It's just a reference, it felt like. But I see what he's doing. No, no, the reason why I asked you, Kevin, I'm not Um, trying to, like, virtue signal certain references. I didn't even get that reference. Like, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm wondering what references that we're all going to see because we've all watched films differently and there are references that I don't see myself. Mm. So the reason why I asked you because I was wondering if you saw specific references that I didn't see. So I'm glad that, that you saw that and I already asked Tyler before. Mm-hmm. And you know there weren't any, there weren't anything that came to mind very specifically. But um, and I already, I already kind of discussed with Donald yeah. um, like last week um, what kind of references that we were seeing. But um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Zack Snyder's favorite film of all time is actually Excalibur, and he he worked intimately with uh, Chris Terrio, who was the main writer of this film, who took over the script after uh, David S. Goyer. And he's a, a an English major um, graduate from uh, Harvard, 
And so he wasn't even a, a film. He wasn't into film until much later, until he went to USC. But um, he's, a, he's a person that studied English and German uh, phenomenology. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But, um, yeah, so I was just wondering, um, because I know that you've watched Excalibur oh, yeah. not I, that I long ago. I love Excalibur. Um, so Zack Snyder has, ref- has Excalibur references all throughout the film. Um, even, even when it comes to parallel, the parallels of, like, Superman and Batman and to the main characters in those films. Um, I haven't seen Excalibur, but I... Uh, from the reviews that I've listened to and the, the analysis of um, of other YouTubers, um, there were a lot of poignant references that I thought, oh, wow, I would have never gotten that if I didn't do my research on this film. I mean, the themes from Excalibur, they definitely have a lot of ties. I mean, there are a lot of parallels that are also in this movie, too. And yeah. when we get into spoilers, I'll like delve in to at least my thoughts on comparing the two. Yeah. So uh, I think since we all got our impressions out of the way, uh, I wanted to address some of the, um, the critical reception. Um, so this film, if you guys look it up, uh, it has a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, here are other superhero films that are in the similar range. Uh, Green Lantern, 26%. Punisher Warzone, 29%. The Punisher, 29%. Judge Dredd, 20%. Suicide Squad, 26%. Ghost Rider, 26%. Blade Trinity, 26%. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 23%. Now, which version of Judge Dredd was it? Yeah, it was yeah, the it's, Sylvester it, Stallone version. That's okay. a good one. Okay. Right. That's a good one. <laughs> that's so no, good. No, 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 that is not a good and one. And second question, which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that? It's the one from the, uh, the live action, the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. Fuckers. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so okay, yeah, so I brought that up because there's no way to hell that this movie deserves a twenty eight percent and then to be in that same tier as a bunch of these movies. Well what, which cut was this for? Or, or, yeah. Let me ask you this. No, there, is, there it, is, is it broken no, up into to, No, there is no oh, it's just all labeled into one. Yeah. Oh. I mean even even when I tried to look up um There's not like if a there different grade updates, for the ultimate cut. No, there isn't. Um even though the Ultimate Cut came out, I think, like, maybe four to five months after um, the theatrical cut. Um, even so, uh, there was already a lot of... There's already a lot of, I guess, expectations. There's already a lot of um, people that were down on the film before it even came out. Um, even a YouTuber like Ralph the Movie Maker, who has, like, almost 700,000 subscribers... Um, He's known for his film critiques, but um, when he critiqued this film, he did actually not critique the film. And there's a lot of people that give him, you know, a lot of validation for his critiques. When I'm just, I think that what he does is disingenuous to the film community. Um, he comes off very snobbish and disrespectful, and um, he even made fun of the film before it even came out. He was talking about. Uh, Oh my God! The Super Bowl ads—they gave Batman versus Superman two Super Bowl ads. Oh my God! Civil War, Civil War only needed one. I wonder which film is going to be the better film. And he was being extremely uh, facetious, obviously. Um, so I already knew uh, what his expectations were, and 
he spoke about how that uh, he he was willing to give the movie a chance, which was obviously a lie because when he reviewed the film, he said as soon as people started talking, that's when he started hating the movie. He said as soon as he sees Bruce gets descended by the bats, he thought the movie was trash. He said Zack Snyder is a terrible director. He said the acting was terrible. He said the writing was terrible. He said the cinematography was terrible. Pretty much saying everything about the movie was terrible without really giving anything constructive. And I think that movie reviewers like that are very um, dangerous to film community. We There's no room for people like that to have this kind of... Um, that kind of following... I think that when he has a following like that, he does such a disservice to the film community, and I think that people like that just should not have uh, that kind of voice. And and even other film websites were not critiquing this film. They were saying, this film is not fun. This film does not have heart. There's no emotion. Um, even from CBR.com, Snyder's need to explain v BVS again and again proves it's not a good film. What, what about a director explaining his film means that it's not a good film? That's not good. That's not a critique. <laughs> you know, um, they said his need to repeatedly explain his use of symbolism detracts from quality of the film. <laughs> I mean, what kind of film critique is that? You know, if you look up some. Uh, film criticism on this, it's just unfair. This is unwarranted. I think that, uh, yeah, and even Ralph the Movie Maker, when he reviewed Civil War, he said, the film is fun. It's such a, it's such a good movie. It has flaws, but it's so good. It's so fun. It's the most fun movie. It's like everyone saying that movie is fun means that it's good. Just because a movie's fun, that, um, that gives it uh, praise. And I, you know, I think that it's very upsetting that, like, I mean, all the movies we reviewed on our episodes are all fun. They're definitely fun. I mean, <laughs> Burning was definitely fun. Confessions was definitely fun, right? I mean, they're all... <laughs> you guys see where I'm getting at? Like, what kind of criticism is this? Like, I don't think that this film got a fair shake when it came out. I mean, yes, the theatrical version was definitely a neutered version of Snyder's Cut. But, um... When I first saw this film in theaters on opening weekend, um, I definitely had a lot of variables that were going against my viewing experience. I showed up early and I still had to sit in the very front row and I thought, you know, I could just leave. I don't want to watch this two and a half hour movie at the front of the row or I had to like tilt my head up the whole time. But you know what? I, I, I went through it because I had passion for the film. Like I, I knew about all the the critics trashing it. I knew about the, the ratings, but I'm like, you know, I want to give it my own view and, and see how I feel after coming out of it. And and as soon as the movie ended, I just felt the air in the room. Like, people were not excited. There was no applause. But for me, I was almost in tears. Even though there were parts of the film that I didn't like at first, or I was just really puzzled, when it got to pretty much near the end of the film, I was, yeah, I was on the verge of tears. And even watching it, uh, the ultimate cut again, I was on the verge of tears again. I don't know why. I don't know what, like, about this film that made me feel very emotional, but I don't really get that with a lot of the films that even we've reviewed before. Um, 
I don't know. I think that uh, a poignant quote that I need to reference from the movie from Martha, where she says, people hate what they don't understand. And I think that says a lot about this film, is that people came into it not understand or not willing to understand or just not understanding it. I want to. I think it's a chicken and egg situation with criticisms in general of the major major films. Personally, I avoid all YouTube film people, whatever, because it's mostly just it's the thing of like either a film's the worst ever or it's the best ever, and it's so. It feels like it's even the reviewers themselves are moved by market forces to say either one of the two. This is the worst film ever made. It's the best film ever made. Critics is a bit more different. They get more leeway, especially if they're more professional and actually educated. But just talking heads on media, as well as like trailers and just even the context around a film, I'll try to avoid that as much as possible unless it's really poignant, like an eyes wide shut thing. Because I think a clip and a trailer, even though trailers can betray films, like Moonlight's trailer had me the most excited for a film I've been in a while. And the film itself was pretty good, but not the same as a minute trailer with a perfect ramping theme and music and visuals. And I think that, I'm not sure if it's stuff like superhero movies that create the market for those people to then review films like this. Only yes or no, it's horrible or it's good. Because it's because this film itself is very much, there's an tour level to it, but it's very much a product. And there's stuff I want to say later that feels like the studio came in as like, no, you got to do this. I've, Just like every civil. There, there are definitely sprinkles in this film where you can tell like the studio said, hey, we need to put that in there so then you can, so we can advance to like a mm -hmm. franchise. Yeah. There's brand placement as well. Yes. Where it's like. Yeah, and you know, with a yeah. big budget like this, yeah, there's definitely going to be yeah, brand placements yeah. and stuff. Um, but I, I think that even with those sprinkles of what the studio wanted them to do, I think that they didn't, even when they did do that, it was like maybe a couple minutes or less than that. Of, I don't know, I feel like I know what you're talking about. Has to do with Wonder Woman, a certain scene. Oh, it's a different on a one for me as well. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's what there, I'm thinking of. There are definitely yeah some scenes in there, but I, I know. That, okay, yeah. This is studio trying to say, hey, we need to put that in there, and they're like, okay, we'll 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 do that. But I think that that didn't detract my experience, and I think for the most part, this film was pretty much a definitive Zack Snyder film. This is what Zack Snyder wanted to do. This is what he and Chris Terrio wanted to do. This is what he and Larry Fong, his cinematographer, wanted to do. Um, and then they went off for it. Yeah. But I'm talk I was just talking more about, like, when you brought up the criticisms, you felt were unfair. Yeah. Where I was saying, like, I, I view the whole thing as, like, a cycle of abuse or, like, a self-repeating system of, like, yeah. the studios make certain movies with certain ways for market gains... And then the people beneath, the reviewers, will review it a certain way for market gain. Mm -hmm. And then that'll shape the public's opinion. And then the studios will then twist whatever it needs to make more market gain and then repeat infinitely. And I just try to remove myself from that. Like, So you're saying like you went to see it and you had the context of those criticisms and stuff. So mm -hmm. I was just... I was saying, like, maybe just like don't watch Ralph the Movie Maker. <laughs> No, no, I, I watched his. Uh, no, I watched his after the fact. Oh, okay. I, was, I was trying to look for reviews that are trying to just trash the movie. Like 
It's easy mm-hmm. for me to just Google Batman v Superman reviews and then find someone that just didn't like it at okay. all. There's that's eighty percent of the reviews on YouTube where people say this movie's trash or this movie is not fun or this movie needed to be more like the Marvel films. It's really easy, right? So, um, and it was also hard for me to listen to because I'm like, I disagree with everything. Oh, yeah. Most of them did not make good points. And when they didn't make good points, I'm like, okay, you made a good point there, but I I have a rebut for that. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like, no, yeah, you just made me think hard, of that cycle. I was like, oh, yeah, it's that's It's hard why. not to when it's a, such a big and popular film like this. And, um, yeah, it's just tough. Um, anyone else have anything to add about that? About the... That cycle of <laughs> expectations. Or... I, I usually like to just go into movies cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even... I mean, if it's a movie that I've heard nothing about and I happen to catch like a trailer for it, I, I'm i not usually prone to watching the longer cuts of the trailers. Like, for instance, like the two to three minute ones. Um, I usually just like to get like a sneak peek of it and... My favorite trailers are the ones where it's just a sequence. Like, not even not even like a montage edit or anything like that. It's just a brief glimpse into a sequence of the movie. Because not only does that give you the tone, it gives you the emotional resonance of the movie, it gives you a glimpse into this character's world, or the world that the author or the storytellers are trying to create and share with other people. And I'm in agreement, too, with, like, the reviewers and stuff. It's, it's, these aren't, most of them aren't accredited reviewers. And it's mainly just all personal opinions, which is exactly what this podcast is. It's all just our opinions and stuff. Um, I, I think that reviews are things that should only, that shouldn't even be taken into large consideration when it comes to watching something yourself. Now, um, on the other hand... Even though we do a review podcast... No, no, like, and that's, that's not trying to, like, discount our own podcast, it's just calling it for what it is, and there is, like, a, there is some noteworthy things that can come out of it, for instance, um, with us, like, sure, we review the movie, but we also talk about some, a lot of the points that people don't talk about in usual surface-level reviews, like, we actually discuss, um, various scenes that, you know, give glimpses into people's motivations. We talk a lot about themes, which don't really pop up in a lot of reviews. Um, if anything, it's it's mainly just, oh, wow, that scene was so good. Oh, wow, that was so great. It's like, you don't... In a lot of reviews that I hear on YouTube and stuff, like, and this is just in my own perspective, I don't, I don't hear a lot of analysis that goes into them, which already depletes it of its potential, um, value. And I, 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 that's one thing that I, that I feel like we try to do here is we try to go a step above the review process by adding some level of analysis. And, um, going back to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, the cycle of reviews and media and everything like that, I am more prone to watching video analysis videos on the movies afterwards rather than reviews because I feel like analyses go much deeper and add a whole other realm of enjoyment to the movie for me, even if I didn't like the movie. 
because it adds this whole other inner working or a glimpse into the inner workings of it and a lot of the uh, messages or it discusses the messages that it was going for which like I said reviews tend to not do yeah I agree um, we do do a lot more in-depth analysis and uh, I think that's just unfortunate that when it comes to reviews people just want to know if the movie's good or not uh, we kind of live in this fast food cycle where people just want to know, is it going to fill me up or not? You know, is it quick? Can I just have it? What's your score? You know, is it good or is it bad? Is it trash or is it not? Um, and that's unfortunate, you know. When most of the viewing audience are going to watch those kind of movies or any kind of movie or just, they may not be um, film fans. They're just... They just want to watch a movie for entertainment. They don't necessarily want to watch it for its artistic value or for its analysis. And that's, that's just kind of the world that we live in, unfortunately. Um, I want to bring up a quote, and I want everyone's kind of reaction to this. So this is from Devin Faraci on Birth Movie's Death. And he says, It isn't that Zack Snyder misunderstands Superman, it's that he actually hates the character. Superman has no goals, has no desires, has no role in the story except to stir everybody else up. Donald, what's your uh, what's your take on that quote? Depends what he means by Superman. In the context that he's thinking and what the general audience is, when they're thinking of the character of Superman, they're thinking of Christopher Reeve Superman. They're thinking I, of, I believe he's referencing Superman in this movie. I know, but they're thinking of Silver Age Superman, but the Superman in this movie is not that Superman. Instead, he's a little bit more darker and grittier, and instead he's doing things that seem like he's stirring people up. It seems like he's going and he's not necessarily doing anything, but... He's having at least a crisis of identity in the sense where he doesn't know, at least in this film, whether or not what he's doing is the right thing. And particularly with like the whole Senate hearing and all of that going on in, in the movie, that's particularly what it comes down to. But when it comes down to his motivations... They are there. They're not necessarily surface level, but for, like, we are talking about the average uh, cinema goer, where they just want something that's easy to consume. It's quick, fast, in a hurry. It's... They want it to be spelled out to them. They exactly. want the characters to tell us what it is they're thinking. Exactly. Rather than, than sit there and think about it. Whereas, for the majority of this movie, Superman and Batman, they're not telling you their motivations. They're showing you what their motivations are through their actions, and they're leaving you to analyze why are they doing this for whatever reasons. We'll get into that later, but that doesn't seem necessarily... I understand where he's coming from, from just a person who is just watching this for the sake of entertainment. But um, in, in terms of, like, analyzing something, there's their motivations are there. Yeah, You just take a minute to think about it. <laughs> Well, he said that Zack Snyder hates the character. Do you guys feel like he hates Superman? I'd say no. Yeah, I think he's trying to <laughs> no. get. I think he's trying to get some revenue. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's trying to rile some up some. Yeah, clickbait. Exactly. Because I, I do, I, but I do somewhat agree with what he's saying. 
but not the flat, not like flat, like he's speaking like, uh, generalities or just like it's gospel. Like this character has no motivation stuff. I have problems with the character's motivations, but I'm aware it's there. I can mm-hmm. see his motives in his internal dialogue, even though he doesn't express external dialogue about it. Yeah. You can see it in the film. My thing is like the film, I have critiques about the film in that regard. So I agree with them on that. But the fact that it seems like he didn't pick up on the internal conflict and all that, where it's like, eh, I don't agree with that aspect. Yeah, um, I have a lot of notes, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of don't exactly know where I want to start, but um, I do want to bring up the visuals because, um, Donald, you've read the comics, so mm-hmm. I'm going to reference some of the visuals. Um, for instance, there's the, uh, obviously the Excalibur reference from the very beginning of the film when the Bruce and his uh, parents are walking out of the theater and you see the Excalibur sign and um it's not the only reference that they have they definitely have um the spear uh well actually the kryptonite from the ocean which is also referenced to excalibur where they found i believe they found the sword right from the lake lady in the lake yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um and then also the ending another excalibur reference um we'll get to that (laughs) specific citizen kane reference um, and then there's also a reference to Banksy, the artist Banksy, um, where, um, Lex Luthor was wearing the monkey detonator sh- t-shirt when we were first introduced to him and he's playing basketball. Um, so that's definitely a reference to him being the, um, the instigator of the entire plot and him being a detonator of things, um, and then there's definitely the, the Spirit of Detroit reference by Marshall Fredericks um, of the statue. Uh, there's that memorial or, um, of all the names that, uh, of those people that had died because of the um, Zod fighting uh, Superman. And we, we get a glimpse of that in the, in the film's introduction. Um, there's also the Temple of Aphaea from 500 BC, the, the, the Greek, uh, the Greek reference. And I believe that's a reference to Wonder Woman when we see her at the museum, not the museum, when we see her at the, uh, Lex Luthor's party. And there's also that reference. Um, and then also the carrying of the cross, obviously, when we get the montage of Clark, uh, carrying the, um, the anchor across. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's definitely a re- reference to, um, I mean that's not that's not a new reference. Like obviously, this film is making Superman a Jesus Christ figure, um, but I think a lot of that comes off very subtle, in my opinion. I didn't get that reference until after. So, and I and I grew up Catholic. I don't know if it's like a Christianity thing, um, but some of the references just flew over my head. I just watched a film and I didn't see some of the references that people were pointing out. Um, yeah, there are definitely references, uh, such as the, um, the Dea de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead reference. Um, that was a reference to the, uh, Superman Peace on Earth 1999 comic by Paul Dini and Alex Ross. Um, and I think that that's also a reference to, uh, well, Day of the Dead is, uh, a celebration of life and death. And I think that's one of the film's themes of celebrating, um, the uh, the themes of Batman and Superman, where they're both they both represent life and death, 
and even in the film itself where um, the film begins with death and it well <laughs> the film begins with Batman's uh, birth and then it ends with certain death so there's that cyclical cycle anyway yeah there's a lot I don't know what, what it's yeah there's a lot of uh, images here that I could bring up but um, I have a question. Yeah. How do you, or for Donald, I guess, like the classic, I guess this is obviously the origin story, right? Like his parents, he gets, his parents get murdered in front of him, right? Yeah. In the original comic, in the pearl necklace yeah. thing. I feel like though that that is just such a played out thing in Batman now where it's yeah. like, We've seen I like the scene. It's super, it was a great scene. Mm -hmm. All the slow motion worked really well and stuff, but I'm just like... When I started watching it, I was like, oh, man, I was yeah. like, I feel like I've seen this like, like, okay, a thousand times. Yeah, we've, it's probably like the third But I get it because it's, like, it's like it's setting up the whole like universe. Mm -hmm. So I get it, but I mean, is there, another, is there another way to go about that? Other than just starting out introducing with, with uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne being shot, um, you can honestly just enter in just... In my opinion, the the purpose of that was to show his at least the beginning that little sequence of him running through through the forest and all of that. Um, there's a way to introduce the character, and for at least us having however many Batman movies over the past twenty years recently, we we know his origin story, we know what happens with his parents. So by all rights, you could honestly just pick up with him in an alley beating someone up or mm -hmm. in the middle of doing some detective work, something that's like, okay, this is what Batman's doing because at least he's been around where we know who his character is. But I understand why it was done the way it was done. And it's at least to make a contrast between the characters, at least in the movie movies, versions of Bruce and Clark essentially. Mm -hmm. And that kind of comes down. There's a little line Batfleck says in the fight. Yeah, it comes down to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that the scene was needed because it is going to tie into the film's climax. And um, and it was a montage scene anyway, so it wasn't like, you know, they were going through the origins and we're going to spend the first 20 minutes with a young Bruce like they did in Batman Begins or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was, that whole sequence in Batman Begins was uh, kind of a bore, in my opinion. Um I think they did it right for this, where um, it was only in there for a few minutes, and we got what we needed in terms of uh, symbolism and imagery, um, and that was the birth of Batman. They showed it very briefly, but he fell down into the well, into the darkness, and then he was lifted up by the bats into the light, and we get that infamous quote from him, there was a time above, a time before, there were perfect things, diamond absolutes, but things fall, things on earth. And what falls is fallen. And when he was reaching toward the light, he said, he talked about how that was a beautiful lie. And I think that contrasts with Superman because Superman represents the light. He represents the good-natured kid from Kansas, where Bruce does not represent that at all. Even though he's offered justice, he does it with pain. He does it with darkness. So him being lifted to the light was not the light for him. I thought that was beautifully done, in my opinion. Yeah, I liked I liked the scene as a whole for sure. Like the way they crafted it with all the mm -hmm. slow motion and like the gun 
cocking or whatever, breaking the necklace. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool little shot. Um, I don't know. I guess I just like maybe I've seen that. I've seen that uh, scene too many times. Yeah, I I just feel like that scene was done. But it's also there's like a thousand movie. Batman movies, so it's yeah, like, <laughs> there's been five so far that we've seen on screen. Yeah. Four or five <laughs> on screen Wayne parents deaths. Yeah, so it's like we've seen it, and that's just live action. Mm-hmm. Like, that's live action. Yeah. I think um, what Zack Snyder does really well is his montages and introductions. He did really well when it came to the, uh, his Watchmen, when he does the um, montage and introductions. Um, he knows how to make certain images stick with you. And he doesn't dwell on it too long. I think he does just enough where you're able to remember certain images and certain words. And, you know... And one of those words is going to be referenced later, and some people hate it, and some people um, accept it, and uh, we can get into that soon. So should we uh, dive in? Yeah, let's uh, give our uh, we haven't given our ratings, our ratings, yes, and we can get to spoilers right away. Yeah. Just like the reviewers, we are yes. the um, pessimistic market capitalizing <laughs> reviewers. <laughs> let's assign an arbitrary number to yes. the film. Um, originally I gave this film a 4.5, this version. Um, when I first saw the theatrical, it was more like a 3 or 3.5 for me, and then, um, after seeing the ultimate cut, I gave it a 4.5, but, um, after seeing it three times before meeting up again, like, within the past week, uh, I give this film a 5 out of 5. I think it's a masterpiece of a superhero and comic book cinema. I think it blows away anything that Marvel's ever done. I think it blows away anything Christopher Nolan has ever done with the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, This film does not hold back. Um, It doesn't undercut the violence either, uh, like the Marvel movies do. Um, They always do some quippy one-liners or some clever joke when someone dies or a whole planet blows up. Um, They don't do that dry humor that this film does. This film actually addresses the collateral damage of what these heroes these heroes have done um, to their society. And I think that um, a film like even the new Spider-Man incarnations do a complete injustice to, to that, where Spider-Man goes into every scenario and then he leaves a bunch of destruction and then they don't, they don't ever comment about anything. And it's just like, I think this film has enough intellect to say, hey, these heroes need to be held accountable. Like, there's a moral gray area about what they're doing. Um, and we, yeah, and I think this film does a great job of critiquing Superman and Batman. Um, and then, you know, the, the action sequences are incredible. I think the warehouse fight scene was the best Batman you'll ever get. Um, Christopher Nolan's Batman... Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It does a disservice to how Batman is as an athlete and as a fighter and as a brute, as a brutal superhero. And he is brutal in this film, and you really get that. You get the fear that people have for him, and you legitimately believe this man is scary. And you look at and Christian Bale is a is a great actor by all means. He's probably a better actor than Ben Affleck. He's much more regarded. But does that mean he's the perfect Batman just because he's a better actor? No. I think Ben Affleck is the definitive Batman, and I think Henry Cavill is the definitive Superman. I think these heroes. This movie made me love these heroes again. 
So yeah. Um, I feel like I need to talk more about this before I give it a, my actual review, but for right now, I'm going to have to give it like a 2.5. Like, I was super entertained, but like, I'm going to totally disagree. Like, I'm Nolan Batman all day. Dark Knight is the GOAT Batman movie, in my opinion. Um, but I don't, I actually hated Ben Affleck, like, when I first watched this. After watching The Ultimate Cut, I'm like, alright, Batfleck is cool, like, I, I can dig Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, but there is, like, I just have, there's a lot of problems I have with this movie. Like, Jesse Eisenberg's character, I could not stand in this movie. Um, I, I'm not familiar with Lex Luthor. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's how we'll talk his about persona it. is. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if they wanted to, like, recreate, like, a Keith Ledger type character, where they're like, let's get this... The Joker-fy him. Yeah. They Riddler Joker-fy him. Um, no, but, I don't... Okay, I'll talk more about that. I, I think Anyways, he yeah. was way too spazzy for me. I was a, like, every scene with Jesse Eisenberg, I was just like, I couldn't... I, and I actually like Jesse Eisenberg in a lot of movies. Um, it was like, it was entertaining... But I don't know. I feel like I gotta. I feel like I gotta talk with you guys more about it, and I might be able to bump it up to like a three point five. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's just like I feel like, like I, one of the main problems I also had with it, even with watching the Ultimate Cut, and when I first watched, it, I'm like, the movie's called Batman vs Superman, and I know it's like deals with their ideals and a fight. But I'm like, this is a spoiler, I guess. But like, we get like the smallest Batman versus Superman fight in the movie. And that's, like, all I was looking forward to when I first saw it, when I first was watching it. That was a huge problem I had with it. Um, and there really wasn't much added to the fight, at least, on this one. Obviously, that's hard to go back and, you know, do all that CGI and everything. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, that's subject to change. That, that, that uh, ruling is subject to change, so... I uh, oh shit! And I'm saying I respect that you holding on to that and that you are yeah. To... Like I didn't I didn't like yeah. dislike the movie. I like the movie, but I'm like you also said like the Marvel movies. Like I could think of like two or three Marvel movies I like more than this too. Um, like I I have a few superhero movies that I enjoy a lot more than this. But uh, there's definitely a lot of superhero movies that are not better than this for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially Marvel movies, so yeah. I give it a two out of five. Uh, my issues are mainly with. We'll go into them. I hope uh, it's with the narrative, the source of conflict, characters' motivations, and just it falls into that thing with. It falls into the thing of some films for me, where it's I see something I like and I enjoy the beginning of the film, and the rest of the film doesn't. Like, it doesn't do, not what I think it's going to do, it's just I feel like something's being set up and I'm interested in it, and then it subverts it in a way, and then this film is more particular, like, it's more, it's more, it's subverting my expectations to fit into the genre, to fit into, I'm sure it's studio meddling, saying, like, no, you got to have this happen and this happen, we got to put people in the seats, and that really hurts my opinion of the film. Especially the first hour, I was genuinely like, okay, I, I really like what they're doing. I like this idea of this metaphysical conflict that Superman is facing. And then the last hour of the film, I was just like, I want this to the end. 
I don't care if there's music stings and like CGI effects are happening. I'm just I'm done with it. You guys didn't do what I thought you were gonna do. I was excited and looking forward to it. Now I just want it to end. But that's still that first. I still give it full credit for that initially hooking me. And I still want that film that I was just sitting there like, oh, is this film going to do this? And it does something different. I still want that other film. And I hope they make it someday. All right. Um, it's out of five, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I do like this movie, um, but there are some three things that I just do not like about this. Um, I love this movie particularly because it's giving me all the nostalgic comic book feels that I crave in a superhero movie. It's in terms of like a Marvel movie versus like a compare contrast. There's really no superhero movie that goes into this level of analysis of these characters that you can get bar reading a comic book. Um, so for that, I love it. The imagery and, and just the cinematography is, is, is amazing. At least from me, it's giving me like, this is what I want. This is the panels come to life. However, there are some issues. Um, some things that I like can't necessarily forgive. We will, we'll get into that later. Um, so I will, I think I give this like a 3.5, 3.5 out of 5. Let me give this movie 2.5 out of 5. Um, a lot of the reasons, like mentioned earlier, I went into it thinking it was going to be about one thing, and it was leading me to believe that, like for a good portion of the movie, and then it seemed the more content that was introduced, the more convoluted it became, and it lost track of what it was originally setting out to do. And I'm excited to talk about it a bit more, just because, I mean, like you said, Pat, that movie exists. It could exist, mm -hmm. and I want it to. Um, and once again, like, going back to the original, like, I mean, to a huge influence on this movie, at least in terms of story, The Dark Knight Returns, that's one of my favorite graphic novels in terms of uh, dealing with, like, superheroes and stuff, because when we get into it, you... Like, all, both central figures have been around for quite a long time, and they're, I mean, at least Bruce Wayne is getting up there in age, and you see a lot more jaded cynicism from him compared to the weathering that uh, Clark Kent and Superman have to deal with as he becomes more of a militarized tool in the system. And going into this movie, I thought it was going to address a lot of those issues, but not be this, while not being the same thing, while maintaining its own original um, uh, self in terms of combining these two monoliths. Um, but yeah, like I said, the more, the more additional material got added into the mix, the more it just became a bit hard to follow. And it also dragged quite a bit for me. For being a three-hour-long movie, and if I had seen the original cut, I probably... I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I saw the, the completed version rather than the, um, the one that skipped out on a bit of the material. Um, it's good to know that 
the original creators of this movie came out of it, in, ultimately in the end, with their own version that they wanted to begin with. Um, I think that there were a lot of things that got in the way that distracted, um, mainly, like, I mean, just, just to name, like, a few things off the top of my head, there were a lot of, um, this movie uses star power to a disgusting level to promote its own agenda and a few other things and product placement and all of these other things that really just, it bothers me watching a movie when I can't suspend my disbelief and the creators are having a part in taking that away from me. And I don't know, like even just the bits of like the news and like CNN and it's like, oh wow, oh I recognize um, Allison Cooper, Anderson yeah, Cooper, yeah, Anderson Anderson Cooper and, yeah, and like all these other figures. It's like, oh wow, that's so cool that they're in this movie. It's like, why why are they in this movie? And it's just like, oh, I'm watching a movie, and it's like, oh, I don't want that when I'm watching a movie. I want to be immersed in this world. I want to know what's going on in it. I want there to be, why couldn't it have been unknowns? And I'm not trying to say that had there been unknowns, this would have been a better movie. I'm just saying that that's one of the things that, as these as the movie kept going on and was giving screen time to these other factors, it just it, it distracted me so much from from the original story that I wanted to know more about. And it was also mentioned earlier with the origin story of Bruce Wayne and stuff. It's like you don't need to show that, <laughs> like. Like, this is already a long enough movie. All you're doing is just dragging it out. It's like, I want to get to the core of what this movie's about. I don't care about all these other things that are getting in the way. Like, I, I want to watch this movie that you told me, or that... I don't know. It, like I said, it seemed like it was going to be about one thing, a battle of ideals. Uh, you have this man versus god complex... And it's like you can't you can't raise somebody and, and even the way that they deal with um Lex Luthor and his his role in the mix, it's the most underdeveloped motivation in the movie for me. And it's very problematic because you have him We'll get into it in the spoilers. <laughs> Anyways, that's my rating. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <Before> I... <laughs> I can't, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, wow. I'm, I'm glad you guys all have different opinions on it, but yeah. Roast us, Richie. Are we Roast starting? Us. Are we starting yeah, with no, Lex? I, no, I'm saying... <laughs> you like... Okay, I, I we thought can... Lex Luthor was an incredible villain. I don't... Maybe uh, he's he's a deviation from what we're used to, either like a corporate greedy bad guy who's all for money or economics or... And, and, then, and then you guys said that he was Jokerfied. I completely disagree with that. He's not Jokerfied. Um, Joker was just... A sadistic, chaotic anarchist, and that's not what Lex Luthor is. Lex Luthor is 
crazy, and he's he's been he was an abused um, corporate like rich kid growing up. You can you can kind of see that he does not know how to like socially interact with anybody. He makes these long winded speeches, and he doesn't care if people understand him. He has he talks about all these philosophies about like, um, for instance, when he was talking to Senator Finch in that scene um, uh, when she comes to his place, and he was talking about the painting and how um, uh, these. Or he's referencing, I believe the metahumans are like, these demons from the world don't come from beneath us, they come from the sky. And he was referencing, um, yeah, Superman. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I believe he was talking about a lot of things that are challenging our own belief system. And and obviously he has a, a God complex. To, so I don't really agree with the fact that he's underdeveloped or that his motivations are not there. I think that they are there. It's just that you have to read in between the lines of what he's saying. He, the, the movie's not going to explicitly tell you or give you exposition. Like, like we're, what, you're, what we're used to when it comes to watching superhero films or mainstream films, they want the villain to spell it out for us. and just say, I'm doing this because my daddy abused me. You know, or something. Or, like, I'm doing this because um, X, Y, and Z, like... There, there are things there. Like he, he wants all this power. He, he believes of himself as a god. You know, there are some speeches where he talks about what is knowledge without power. That is paradoxical, because he does not like the idea that if a Superman exists, that makes him not as powerful. I don't I, know. There are some things that I, I think Lex, I think this Lex Luthor, and part of the reason I don't like him is it's reflective of the Artur. And there's, and Schneider himself, he, I know he did Watchmen as well, another film. And one of the most, uh, Alan Moore, I believe. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite parts in that is the news broadcast. And this is why Alan Moore, he wrote Watchmen, so he, he knows what he's talking about. But he does, the God exists and he's American. And like that alone is a terrifying concept that Alan Moore explores in Watchmen, which is a film Snyder got to make. Yeah. And then he just, but this film, it has... A divinity to it, as well as an American exceptionalism, as well as just like Lex Luthor's character, like being a like an antagonist to Superman. I don't want it to be like a unhinged, chaotic, like god complex Lex Luthor. I want it to be a cold, calculating. Yeah, you wanted him to be. Let's let's face it. You wanted him to be uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad, right? Or you wanted him to be the stoic. No, I wanted I want I wanted the, the actor to bulk up and like be physically even though he's not yeah. Superman. I wanted him to be like six inches taller yeah, and, but and buffer than Superman, but he knows <laughs> he's human. <laughs> so like you know Superman could beat him in a fight, but Lex is still there as an intimidating figure. I, I get it. No, a lot of a lot of people have mentioned they wanted that and it's because the character actually looks like that. Yeah, yeah that too. I'm but... poisoned by all star <laughs> Superman. Okay, I wanna hear I wanna hear Donald's uh Alright. For most of what Richie's saying is telltale Lutherisms are pretty much what makes Lex Luthor Luther, and those are there. The problem is the character that Jesse Eisenberg is, is he is, has this weird, it's not in terms of social interaction. The problem is the social interaction part, but the reason I say that is because Lex Luthor throughout the comics and, and everything that we've seen up until this point has been a cold, calculated, suave, debonair businessman who has taken the time to perfect himself in every aspect of every conceivable avenue 
that is societal, political, or socioeconomic gain. He has made himself the epitome of what a human could be. Superman disgusts him because he surpasses all of that effort effortlessly, where it took Lex years to build up his intellect and to build up his wealth and to build up his body. So like Pat says, he is actually like a peak athlete because he values his mind just as much as he values his body. He's like a six foot two, 210 pound mountain of a man. And he is just as terrifying physically as he is mentally. He is someone that all the politicians ask his opinion on. He is someone that you want in on your side. He, he, you want him on your back, or you want him in your back pocket. In terms of how he behaves, he is very likable. He instills trust in everyone he meets. For all intents and purposes, Lex Luthor is a complete and utter sociopath. Um, he knows how to play the, the emotional strings of people around him to instill complete and utter faith in him. That's how he became the president in the comics. It's to the point where, at least when he actually makes these speeches, everyone's applauding. Everyone loves what he's saying. He's essentially like... If you rolled uh, some of the greatest figures in history, rolled them together, you, you create Lex Luthor. In what Jesse Eisenberg was betraying with his jittery personality, that's there. But that's there once Lex Luthor is, like, uh, uh, broken. And he's been, like, tortured by Darkseid for X amount of weeks. And he's gone a little bit kooky. And that's because he was abused by his family. He was abused by his dad. He is, like, essentially a abused socialite. Um, so, in that aspect, he was Lex Luthor. But in the other aspects that I stated, he was not Lex Luthor. The character that he is, this kind of quirky hacker billionaire, is an interesting character. It's an, it's, it's, I'm not going to deny that he played the character well. He did. That's just not what we know to be Lex Luthor. So once we got that, we are like, who is he? Who is this guy? This isn't Lex Luthor. He's kind of wimpy in terms of everything else. Um, yeah. I want to connect Lex to my first, the initial narrative I took away and what I appreciate about the film I want, like with All-Star Superman, the best Superman because he's Superman, the best Superman films are one where he's fighting something that's abstract or metaphysical that he can't just punch until it's in the sun or gone. And so when the film starts, it's a lot more of like Superman's being framed. It's a lot more of like a mystery thriller. And I was intrigued in that. I wanted to see that play out. And that's where the Lex, again, that's where the Lex I want. I want the old school Lex because I want him to be like vying for president. Like he's going to be the future of the U.S., in the first world, but he's a villain. He's a horrible person or he just has a psychotic, psychotic obsession with Superman and he's doing all this to undercut Superman and Superman has to fight the metaphysical thing of people's perception of Superman. He can't punch that. He can't make himself loved. He can save everyone. But if the narrative is still out of his control mm -hmm. and I wanted to explore that, I was like, if this is the whole film, I'm loving this because it's taking the superhero thing and it's doing something completely different. 
And then Batman can fit into that as like a pawn that develops agency that helps usurp the plan in the last conflict, climax, whatever. Batman fits in somehow, even though I'm not sure, but the first part of the film that I was taken away was going to be something like that. And since we're in spoiler territory, he just ends up punching a CGI dude around and there's like lasers and Lex Luthor summoned it, even though he has no means of controlling it. We can get into Doomsday later. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) The last hour was like such, like I I was so I I was excited for the film. I was like, okay, I I hope they do this. I'm gonna like it if they do. And then by this point, I was just done. In the last third, I was like, I just want them to kill Doomsday and do our little conclusion scene, and then the film's over because I want the other film instead. I want someone to make that other film that I want to watch it. I mean, I I, I agree with you to uh, some extent like uh, I know the third act of these movies are never great they're they're never the best part of the film yeah usually the best part of these films are like within the first two acts and I I do agree like when we get to these superhero movies and when we get to the final act it's usually just a big CGI thing or faceless enemies and you just chop them down and then it's over you know Uh, end of the world scenario um yeah, and then and then back to the Snyder, the divinity stuff. Like, there's a lot of, like, there are parts where people just say stuff to the camera. I think the big one for me is with Superman's dad. When he's on the mountain? Yeah. And that the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, that, that was one of the moments. That and the uh, Superman saving the Russian rocket as it's exploding and saving the crew. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things, again, where it's like, it feels like a bit of the Artur slipping through. Where Superman is the ubermesh. He's the the ultimate man. He's what we should all strive to be. So there's a, there should be a unifying factor in that. But Snyder's putting this American exceptionalism as well as like a divinity aspect to it. Where it's like, I, it's I see as... American exceptionalism? I mean, he goes around and saves everybody. In the yeah, world. but the fact... But again, like, I think uh, the Martian was guilty of this too. But it's a thing of like... Oh, we need a rock. We need Superman needs needs to save a rocket crew on a rocket that's blown up. That fucking can't be an American rocket because we're perfect. We mm-hmm. our rockets don't blow up. But right. put a Russian flag on it, make them take the dudes out. Great, great, sweet. He saved the human <laughs> life, but the undertone of that is Russian rockets blow up. The Russian mm-hmm. government's different than ours. The Russians should be viewed as different. They are worse because the rockets don't blow. There's like it's not directly saying that, but it's just things of like right, it's right, things right, someone right. would like oh yeah like in the 50s like oh yeah you have a it feels like a Hayes Code thing of like oh you, you're portraying the Reds in a positive light you can't do that uh, mm-hmm. yeah or an American rocket's blown up you can't do that make it a Russian one it's just there's those Artur elements that come in there that also undercut the film for me where it's like no Superman's not about that to me I don't want him to be about that that's why I go back to the Watchmen thing of God's American, or yeah, God exists and he's American, and then it's a hellscape of a world on the verge of World War Three. following that. Where this, we have Superman present, but it's still kind of the same-ish, but different, but it's not the different enough. Mm-hmm. And even Batman's Nightmare, where he's like, he there's that... About- yeah, the SS Superman thing. Like, I think there's comic context. That there's a lot of comic context for that. There's also comic context for the whole... Um- Ubermensch, the whole saving the yeah uh, rockets and all of that other stuff too. But 
when I yeah. when I saw that scene, it was just another moment of like, I get it's Batman's dream, but it's a weird thing of like, why would he have super super soldier troops? Why would he have dudes with guns with the patch? It's like Nazi imagery and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know the spaceships are like glassing the earth in the background, but it's a thing of like. I'm not sure what it's saying because it's like Superman's beyond that. Like if I've read Irredeemable, which is a comic where it's just evil Superman and he gives an ultimatum to the whole world and he's just by himself. He has no army, no troops or nothing. And I think at the UN, the Singapore leader gives him lip and he just goes and sinks Singapore into the ocean. And it's like, okay, this is the fear. This is what it helps context the fear of what Superman is and also elevates his character. He has all this power, but he's incorruptible. And I know they're doing a bit of a different Superman with this, where he's going back and forth about his values and all that stuff. But just like, there's so much stuff to undercut it, where like he should be saving everyone, or he should be shown making decisive decisions well, on who to that save. The full conflict of the movie is when people criticize him, like who did, how does he choose who to save? And like um, you know that woman in the very beginning, um, the one who was an implant. Yeah, for Lex Luthor, she's talking about um, he doesn't obey, like... He doesn't answer to God. Yeah, he doesn't answer to God. Um, or in those other media outlets saying, like, uh, how he's... Uh, what are they saying? Oh, every act is a political act. Yeah. Um, they're trying to politicize him. Um, but, like, in the film, Superman does no wrong. He doesn't choose to save an American airliner going down or a Malaysian ship sinking yeah. At the same time, he does. We don't see him choose one of the two, right? So it's just to the audience, it feels like the people are projecting because we right. see him save. Um, he does no wrong in the film, just like Batman in a way. I think that's the whole question of like, is God all powerful or is he all good? I mean, it's. I think the question is kind of answered. He's just all good because he can't save those two things. I mean, you're right. Like, yeah. they should, we, maybe the film could have put him in that situation, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, he, he just finds himself in those scenarios. Like, he just happened to watch the news when he was tailing uh, Bruce Wayne at uh, Lex Luthor's um, house. Mm-hmm. And he sees on the news, like, all oh, this fire is burning. Oh, my gosh. And he just goes up and, and saves the girl just because he's a good guy. He just, he's trying to do the best that he can do. He's, he sees himself as a human being. He doesn't see himself as a god. And I think... Um, People are saying Superman is brooding the whole film or he's so sad. It's just, no, he's in an existential crisis. Um, Kind of referencing back to, like, the movie Burning, like, it's like he's the great hunger and Batman is the little hunger. Batman is literally hungry because he's in pain every day. We see him wake up with a a nameless woman in his bed and he's taking drugs and he's drinking alcohol. And um, you can tell that he had all this pain because not only like he lost his parents, but he lost uh, a Robin in his life, and he's just yeah, extremely jaded. He he kills criminals in self defense. People are upset that he kills, but he he he's not just a straight murderer. He he does what he has to do. I mean, when it comes to excessive force, he uses the same. You know, um, what was I going with that? But yeah, Superman is the great hunger in the film. He's looking for the meaning of life. He doesn't know where he stands in the world. He he was probably even thinking about disappearing, you know, when he talks to Lois Lane um, about, like, uh, how Superman doesn't exist. Uh, what does he say about, like, I'm just a 
a farmer from... Oh, there he is. He said, Superman was never real, just a dream of a farmer from Kansas. And then she says, that farmer's dream is all some people have. It's all that gives them hope. Um, and he only thinks of, of himself as that. He, he could have gotten a better job than the Daily Planet. He wants to change the world from inside out. He has this substantial power to, to change the world as Superman. And then he has the power to, to change it with his intellect for uh, writing for Daily Planet. Um, he doesn't want to carry all that burden. He doesn't want to have to choose between, like what you said in those scenarios. He's just trying to be this normal guy, and he only chooses within the moment. I don't know. That's this is my reaction. yeah no, but I get that. But it's like the film again to the central narrative of like Lex's motivation or his plan, and the initial thing of the metaphysical perception of Superman. What does he owe us? Every move's political. Who does he save? How does he pick? And those questions, as well as Superman answering them himself, I would have loved to see more of that be explored. Like, how does he choose it? He, by coincidence, he sees people watching the news, and if he decides, I'm going to save everyone I can, you'd, think you'd want more of him saving people, not just a montage of him saving people, like, more of, like, the work that takes, like, the work to put into, like, is he always watching the TV, or does he always have, like, a radio with the news in, is he, he's listening for... I know he's, he's listening for Lois Lane's heartbeat. It's not just that. He's listening for everything. That too, yeah. It's like, <laughs> but the film the film doesn't show that. Like, we only... There's the yeah. part with Lois Lane where mm-hmm. he hears her heartbeat and then he goes and does that. And I think that's part of the... That's one of the aspects of the film that... I did see something there and they don't explore that. And I go, I wish you would have explored that. I want the film mm-hmm. that does that. And then it does other stuff by the end. And like, yeah, there's... And there's a lot of... Back to product placement and star power. Like, I think Wonder Woman, when she came into the film, that was, like, the big moment of, like, I started to see the studio's hands guiding stuff. And the film start it stopped being its own, it felt, and it started being pushed by an unseen force of, like, okay, put this in here. Put this in here. Here's the Jolly Rancher wrappers in the cup. And the Jeep at the very beginning. Yes. And just, yeah, there's just so many things. Of, yeah. But, like, the parts I did like, Superman destroys a Predator drone. I was like, oh, that's... I want to see news stories about that. Because, like, when I ran Downs one, it's, like, a big news story for a week. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Superman just blew up an American drone. And that, that act was actually cut from the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. So they never showed the drone about to, about to strike the city. <laughs> they, they never showed it getting hit by Superman. Yeah, and they never showed the soldiers coming up, or the, the, the American... Um, Soldiers that were about to come up and try to save Lois. They never show them that either. They never okay. show the bodies burning either. Yeah, they, they never show any of that. Yeah, okay. So that, that, that was so good that, to see Superman go against the American forces of like that. I thought that fed in well to the Lex Luthor manipulation of the perception of Superman. Like, oh, mm-hmm. Superman downs U.S. drone. Suddenly, he's an enemy of the state, like a Snowden figure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, he didn't. He didn't follow rank and command. And our side, so he's against us, and now he's to be ostracized. And Superman coping with that, as well as his responsibility of what it is to be a Superman, or be Superman. But then we get, like, the film deviates from that, and I find that stuff so much more interesting, and I want to see more of that. Okay. Maybe we could have. <laughs> I mean, they probably... I mean, that was, this is only the second film following up Man of Steel, so, I mean... They probably would have been able to do it if they... Because Zach's originally wanted to do five chapters mm-hmm. um, instead of a typical 
one, two, three trilogy film. Uh, I think that's kind of played out. Um, and, uh, and he's going to do that for the new Justice League. Um, so we'll see. I mean, maybe they could have done that. I mean, you, you bring up really good points, I think. It feels, the it feels like the there. last film, too. That was another thing I noticed. Because yeah. I have the context that this is the start of the DC cinematic yeah, universe. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. only yeah, the beginning. So. If, it feels like it should be the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels really weird. It's like, because then there's, back to the studio hands, the, the theme and the story plays out like it's the end. Mm-hmm. And then, but then there's like the whole like throw in the Justice League montage of all the other characters right. to get people excited for those movies. And that, that whole part, I was just, I, I got vehemently upset watching the film. Yeah. That's me saying, and that's, that's a nerd saying that too. It's like, I know, I know there's the Justice League, but I'm here for the Superman story. Stop this two minute, three minute scene of just people on found footage being superhumans. Yeah, I mean, that scene definitely did not age very well, but yeah, obviously you can tell, like, the studio wanted him to do that so that they can follow the, uh, the Marvel formula. Like, oh my god, we're gonna, it's an Easter egg, we're gonna be able to do solo movies later, which they didn't do, so... Yeah. I've been I've been talking a lot. I just want to say I want All Star Superman. I want a film of that. That's it. <laughs> That's all I'm there really saying. There is one, Pat. <laughs> Not an animated. I, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the thing that confused me the most was um, was Batman's whole stance on when is the right time to take out, you know, quote unquote, a super being. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't understand it because, because I mean, even, even in his little talks with like Alfred and stuff, which for some reason it's like, why does Alfred always have to be British or like have like some, I don't know. That's like just, that does not, that does not, yeah, Alfred's British. (laughs) I know, but this, that doesn't pertain to like my argument. I'm just like saying, (laughs) it's just like, okay, here we go again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um like you have like this this very egocentric character being Bruce Wayne and he here he is uh going up to bat against this godlike being and he's taking he's using his own mindset and his own experiences to to determine when it is right to basically kill off another person when they become too powerful and it's like, what does he do? Oh, he ends up becoming best friends with the guy after he learns his mom has the same name. And I, I don't and think that, he, I don't think that's what happens. I don't think he become best friend. Okay, everyone's had made memes of this already, saying it's like stepbrothers or they become <laughs> best. I don't, I don't, I don't see it like that at all. Um, but yeah, but you can. I I think that it, it it feels so counterintuitive to me because it's like although that moment is like a, a shifting point in the terms of like batman and superman's relationship with one another it doesn't feel like it's earned and that's how i feel about this movie as a whole there are so many moments in it where i understand why they're there but it and once again that's why i say it's so counterintuitive because it's a 3 hour long movie like it seems like all these moments would have enough time to develop to where it does feel like there is, like it is intuitive and it is, um, there is some sort of payoff to it. And when Superman dies, it's just like, it feels like a whole tipping point to go off into this whole other franchise. 
and I, it, it's such like a 180 for for my, for how I perceive the Bruce Wayne in this movie because here he is wanting to be the arbiter of justice in his own microcosm, and when he sees this other being existing in a whole other city and pretty much the entire world like exerting its own influence on on it he takes it upon himself to you know research ways how to take out this person if need be and then once this person is quote unquote no more um what does he do he goes out and basically assembles his own team of these beings who are but a fraction of superman like even even Wonder Woman, she feels like she's right up there with Superman in terms of like power and stuff. I don't know a lot about her. I don't know her origin or her powers or anything, but she seems like right up there. She was holding her own against uh, the the creature at the end. And Batman, like you can you can definitely see the clear dynamics between what he's capable of doing versus what these people who are imbued with super qualities. Um, and it's like, I, I don't understand why he didn't have the same stance towards Wonder Woman than he did, I mean, than he did with well, Superman. I, I think because it goes back to the first, the introduction of the film, uh, he took it very personally when um, Superman fought Zod and he was uh, going to uh, his Wayne Enterprise and it, and it killed uh, Jack. Uh, it killed um, his family, basically. And I, I believe that Batman was pretty much blinded by rage and he was extremely upset that... Um, that Superman had a hand in that. I, yeah, I think that this was already kind of but, uh, but it projected lead, in the beginning. It leads me to wonder if Batman's going through all this time to research this person and discover like the ins and outs of, of Superman, why wouldn't he do the same with Wonder Woman? Why wouldn't he do the same with all these other people? And I guess that we get a glimpse into it when he um, steals the information from Lex Luthor about all these other people. But it just seems a bit odd to me that he would have knowledge of this one person, not of these other people, or at least uh, go through the same, the same amount of research. Well, like I said, he he had very personal a vendetta against Superman. It's not like Wonder Woman or the Flash or Cyborg all had a hand in killing people in his Wayne family. He 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 goes at it subjectively. He's not he's not looking at. Um, Damn, where were they, right? Um, like, Batman sees himself as a criminal, and he's he's not looking at um, anyone else, or he's not looking at Superman subjectively. He's looking at him objectively. And with all these other people, we don't know that he's going to go after them if he does kill Superman. His whole point is that, I want to take down this guy first because he had in hand in killing my family. And I think that go that ties into the end when, when Superman says uh, you're gonna let them kill Martha, um, it made him see Superman subjectively. Um, and I got this whole point from Eugene Baldovino and uh, Batman vs Superman: a Badass Philosophy. I think you guys should watch that. Um, he brings in a lot of uh, really great points and from philosophers like Socrates and um, Kierkegaard. Um, anyway. But I think Kevin brings up a good point I didn't even realize is Batman's definitive motivation to, I'm going to kill Superman, 
it feels like it's missing something besides revenge. Like, yeah, like he, he goes into it where he's saying this person can literally, like if there's even 1% of a chance that he can turn against humanity, we need to take this issue seriously. Why isn't that the same for Wonder Woman or for all these other people? I, think, I always viewed Batman as having like a plan B for Superman, like a deterrence plan, mm-hmm. like a nuclear deterrence. Well, but the I fact that he's ready to initiate that plan on because the he's Superman already seen film. it firsthand. He was there. He was there at the experience. It's like it, he was there when his building was crumbling. He didn't see Wonder Woman or any of these other metahumans destroy anybody else. It was just a glimpse of images. We don't we don't know like what he's going to research after the fact. The news knows about the Zod and the the Kryptonian mm-hmm. menace and all that, and Superman fought him. So Batman would have that context of. Superman was doing good. There was a lot. He was reckless. And there was a lot of casualties, as well as those I'm close to, and I hold that against him. Mm-hmm. But like the pull the trigger, like I view it as like Batman getting the kryptonite and all that. Like he always has a gun for Superman on the side. But the fact that this film, like the film, has him take out that gun so early without like a definitive. Like if Batman had a terminal illness, and was like I'm gonna die in a year, and this is new young Superman. It's like. He's good now, but I don't know if he's going to be good in 10 years or if he's going to live forever and always be good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die now, so I have to kill him now, even though it's taking him out of the world and he's good. It could be a moral thing for Batman, but the film doesn't have anything. Where it's... Well, I think that's the whole reason why they bring up the nightmare scene, because that is an alternate dimension in which Superman does turn evil. So he's already got to see that. Um, and, and when he, wake, he wakes up twice in that sequence, so he's actually living that experience. It's not a dream, it's actually happening. Uh, that, so he's already living that experience. I think I talked to Donald. That's a Flashpoint reference. That's a Flashpoint reference. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. they would have stuck with the Flashpoint reference and not have him wake up again, oh, so I would have... And then, like, a little bit more of a push. Like, beyond mm-hmm. just the dream, and then another dream where it is about Flashpoint, which is, like, hell on... It's not hell on... It's a bad future. It's pretty much an f- alternate timeline where Flash went to try to save his mom, and then in doing so, he essentially messed up everything that was the DC universe. And, like, where, Superman's evil? Like, not... Superman's not evil. Superman, instead of landing in Smallville, Kansas, he lands in the middle of Metropolis and essentially, like, ground zeroes the entire planet, and the government just sweeps him up, puts him in an underground facility, and just has no interaction with people. And he's just kind of a dumb, skinny dude that they just keep uh, getting hit by red solar radiation, so he effectively has no powers. Same timeline, um, Bruce is the one who gets shot in Crime Alley. Martha and Jonathan, or Martha and Thomas Wayne survive. Thomas becomes Batman, Martha becomes the Joker. Um, Atlantis and Themyscira, where where, uh, Wonder Woman are from, they're at war, and it's actually uh, spreading across the entirety of Europe, and it's starting to go into Asia, and all this stuff happens. Bad stuff. Yeah. Bad stuff happens. And he tries to fix it, and when he fixes it, he ends up in New 52. Well, I'm saying if they, yeah, if they would have kept that Flashpoint dream thing where he's telling them you gotta not... It's like a vague thing of you gotta let... She has to live. I think it's Lois Lane. Lois, yeah. Like, Lois Lane has to live, and that gives him, like, a, okay, something, some weird shit's happening, and then, like, one more push. And this one, not a... Because if I have two bad dreams about something, I don't go out and kill the person. Mm-hmm. I, it's like a big leap <laughs> Batman takes yeah. in this scene, even though it is Superman and the weight of it all. But like, if if Batman felt his morality, like he's feeling his age and he's jaded, so I can believe he'd be doing it. But like, if Superman, like if Lex Luthor faked Superman mass murder, and Batman's okay, now it's time to nip this in the bud. 
or just something else besides like just it felt unearned it felt just like I gotta kill him Alfred there's a 1% chance he's evil so I gotta kill him right now at this moment and it's like eh, can't you like wait he's still saving people you're aware of the context of the destruction he caused that we see Brucey at the beginning of the film he has a bit of a callous disregard for the small people but he's still saving people constantly and you still see in that media where it's like nothing's pushed Batman to believe Superman's beyond the point of worth keeping around so their conflict feels like yeah it's just it's, it was a weird moment in the film like Batman's waiting for him in the armored suit and you feel like Superman has the most motivation because his, his mother's held hostage and like Batman's like like chest out like no shut the fuck up we're fighting right now I was like, what <laughs> this is Batman? this bro yeah I was like, no, talk, keep talking. Like, Superman, none, none of this hurts you. He's shooting with the gun, just like, they got my mom hostage, we gotta get her out. But, like, no, he's like, we gotta have to fight, we gotta do some stuff. Also, one thing I noticed, too, that I just draw back to the Dark Knight and Lex Luthor's character is, like, Dark Knight, Joker puts Batman in a situation where he either has to save Harvey Dent or, uh... Rachel? Rachel, Rachel. yes. Where's Rachel? Uh, Rachel? Rachel! <laughs> and it's pretty much the same exact scenario in this, is it not? I mean, Batman, or kind of. Superman, he either has to uh, let his mom... Um, he has, he, what does he have to do? It's either he has to bring him Batman's head... He has to kill Batman. Kill Batman by kill like Batman. midnight, or I kill your mom. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's a typical... That's also a typical superhero villain yeah. trope as well. Except like, you understand I, Superman's complacency to that. Like, Lex does have, like, something over him, so he's going to go there. But you expect Superman to show up and, like, yeah, I'm not really going to kill Batman, obviously. We're going to find a way out of this. That's not one of his two ultimatums. Mm-hmm. But but because it's a movie and the, they have to have the fight scene, which I get, it's just... No, I don't... I don't think it's just because it's a movie that had that fight scene. Like, Superman believes in the, the title alone. The title Batman versus Superman. I know, but, but you guys realize the scene was only like five or like less than ten minutes. It's about 15 no, minutes. Yeah, yeah. About yeah 15 so, minutes. Um, no, because Superman believes in the good of people, so he's allowing Batman to kick his ass so that because... Um, so you can convince him. Yeah. To do that. Obviously, he can, we can nitpick the scene all we want. He, we can say he can speak to him from the sky and be like, "Oh, they have my mother," but then that wouldn't work. That it wouldn't work like that. He needs to get close to, to Batman to let him see that, "Hey, I'm being vulnerable to you. Like, I'm trying to have a discussion with you." But then they're both fucking angry at each other, so they're they're gonna get into it. I don't think. I don't know. I thought the film did it organically, in my opinion, but. I think that there was motivation there. I think that if we know Superman well enough in this film alone, he he believes in the good of people. He could have broken Lex, L- Lex Luthor's limbs. He even told him, like, I, I could break you right now, and, you know, you deserve more than that. Um, but in the heart of it, he, he is a farmer from Kansas. He, he's a small-town kid. Um, he could... That's what makes him so different from Batman. Batman would paralyze... Lex Luthor. He would do all these things because he... Lex Luthor was the one that manipulated him in the first place. Sent him all these um, letters. Um, that whole courthouse sequence was crazy. I thought that that, that was so unpredictable. Like, watching it every time, like, I don't think anybody could have seen that one coming. And 
Um, Holly Hunter as Senator Finch, she did a really good job. Um, I saw that one coming miles away. I didn't. I, didn't. I saw it the second he had the chair, and he was getting, as soon as he got a new chair. Yeah, I was like, I, was like, I saw that coming a mile away. I don't know, maybe I, don't know, I, I know I you didn't see any of the uh, tropes, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see him his assistant or him sacrificing his assistant or um, that one actually did surprise me. Yeah, and, um, I think it's also because she saw the kryptonite, and so that's what Zack Snyder said. That was the moment where he knew he had to kill her. Um, and, you know, Scoot McNary as uh, the handicapped, or Mr. Wallace, I thought he did a great job. Um, they did a lot showing us what he's going through without him, like, literally, like, telling us, you know? Like, he had a family that died. That's that's one of those things I disagree completely. I wanted more time with that character and mm-hmm. cut out cut out the Justice League bullshit. Give him ten more minutes mm-hmm. because Lex shows up in the new chair. He does a funny turnaround and gives him the new chair. And then next scene, he is talking to the senator mm-hmm. yeah. and doing like a heartthrob story of like, "Give me a chance to be a man again." It's like I your your messaging here is so gun jumpy. It's like I want. I get he's upset, his legs are gone, he's, pr- he's vandalizing this yeah. Superman statue, and it looks like he's about to mail pipe bombs. I'm like, this guy, I want, here's a victim of Superman's inadvert direction, I want to see more time with him, but the second Lex comes in, he's given a suit, and now he's a prop to sit in the courthouse for that one scene, instead of like, I want to see his moral dilemma with his relationship with the, uh, Wayne, just like with Bruce Wayne, and his moral dilemma with Lex Luthor offering him deals are just like this guy wants to use me for political gain but I'm suffering I want I want to be better but is helping this guy going to help alleviate my suffering is killing Superman going to help alleviate my suffering uh, back to the part of the film like some of the characters do no wrong like Bruce Wayne when he gets the letters it's like a nice little throwaway like oh here's like are we paying that guy like, are we giving him checks for disability or whatever because he was an employee who was hurt in the thing? And the guy walks in like, oh, Mr. Wayne, you haven't seen these letters, but he's, like, writing in red <laughs> ink and, like, hateful yeah. messages, and he's been mailing them back to us, and we just, bureaucracy has not made you see them, so you're not at fault, Bruce Wayne. You didn't make this guy, you didn't cast this guy out because he's no longer useful to you. You're still a good character. It's the bureaucracy of whatever that's the villain you're still untouched and good. It's just one of those things like you I, could add depth to everything. I'm not really saying that about him at all. But I'm He's, saying you could add depth there and go back and forth. Like, is right. Bruce Wayne, like, did he, because when I saw the guy was like homeless or living in squalor, I remember thinking like, like, oh fuck, did Bruce Wayne cut him off? Like, or is Bruce Wayne just not aware of it? And that's something for mm-hmm. him to be like, oh, I'm, I helped lift the fucking iron beam off the guy, but I didn't follow up with him on that. And now he's fucking suffering. And yeah, I'm yeah. at fault for that, for not, being a good enough person like a Superman and yeah. all that. There's like a theme there that I okay. felt the film could have had running through that they kind of didn't do and went to different stuff. Yeah. Okay, I can, I can see your point. Yeah. That's like my whole... That's every... I need to stop fucking talking. That's my whole gripe with the film. <laughs> but, but, but again, like, Batman can only do so much and, and, and the film already establishes he's kind of a, a pseudo-villain in the film anyway. Like, he's branding criminals. The guy gets shanked in prison. Um... Which that whole entire sequence was that was cut from the theatrical version too. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, they even digitally removed the blood in the theatrical version. They removed all the blood in the theatrical yeah, version. Removed... There was no blood. So they removed a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, 
Man, see, man. but like that that part right there, because like, there's like people in the movie who have problems with that, right? Him branding people, and they're like, oh, he get, if he gets the if he brands them, and that person goes to jail, that person's gonna die. Yeah, but it's like that guy was like a sex trafficker. Was he was not. gonna die anyway. He would have gotten <laughs> shanked in prison anyway. I don't know, or maybe he's just one of the goons or something. I it's guess. like a vague. It's I don't know. I took the whole scene as like a vague pedophile. Yeah. Treatment oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it was just or snitches sex. Get Yeah, they are sex traffickers, and he is yeah. a pedophile. But also, Lex also planned for that to happen for him to get shanked, um, so that he can make Batman. There were no kids worse. in that cell. Were there? They're like young teenage girls. That's like the safe Hollywood thing. Like, if you're gonna show Epstein Island stuff, show Epstein Island stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to properly hate him. Don't make, me, don't make it morally ambiguous of like, is she 19 or is she 17? Well, I did. It's a sex slave thing, so yeah, I think I that's enough, right? <laughs> but like, it'd be like, it'd be like oh yeah, but if it's like children, it's like. Cat oh. wants to be like, show me the child getting molested, otherwise <laughs> it's not <laughs> true. No, I, I don't. No, I, I if if he's doing that. stuff that bad, I want him strung up from the things that I completely agree with Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. If Batman's branding him with the Batmark, like, well, I mean, it I becomes think... a vague, like, did he work with Batman? Did he talk with Batman? He's being <laughs> killed for being allied, allied with Batman? No, Was but he... I think that whole sequence itself, like, it doesn't, we don't need to get into specifics about making them look young or whatever. Like, we already know that that's a whole slave ring, and that's terrible. I think that's yeah. enough to say, hey, he's going to get branded, like, yeah. by Batman. But I think in the criminal underworld... Like, what's their code of, like... Yeah, what's if you their have Batman brand on you, like... Yeah, what parallels to the pedophile yeah, yeah. value. Like, are you they don't, uh, it doesn't... They don't... Well, we, we don't know. They, they don't I mean, expand on it. we just know yeah. that Batman does that to people, or, or, or that he believes that he's judge, jury, and executioner. Like, like I said, it's already been established that he's a pseudo-villain. Like, yeah. everyone's scared of him. Um, he's a threatening Gotham, you know? Like, we know this already. He's even mentioned to Alfred, like, hey, we're criminals. Nothing's changed. Um... And I think that's a part of his arc towards yeah. near the end of the film when he sees Superman be good to him. Superman could have taken his fucking head off and just go and save Martha, but that's not how it goes, you know? Yeah, I'm just um, saying with that one, that's one of those things. Like you said with the blood being removed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're not going to put a fucking kid in those cages because it's going to yeah. upset the audience too much. Yeah. And, but I'm saying the, value, the weight of that as the audience, as us as viewers, is we go like, okay, that guy deserves to die and then makes us question... Our morality. Uh, we're lining with Batman on this one, but shouldn't we well, be lining with Superman? The fact that we had to see a kid to say he deserves to die—that's—I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I think that's just wrong anyway, in all levels. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would have been. I mean, much prison more justice to be carried out upon him. Yeah, if you do something wrong, you obviously deserve to pay the punishment for that. But the parallel is either to snitches get stitches. Like, okay, this guy is guilty of working with the cops against us in the criminal underworld. Or the unspoken code of the criminal underworld in modern prisons of like, oh, this guy abused kids. The dudes who murdered families are like, okay, we got to kill this guy. But then we find ourselves like, do you agree with those same murders who are murdering the pedophile? Or it can lead to a conversation and internal dialogue in us, the audience. But no one but wants to have safe. that though with these kind of movies, though. Well, I mean, then the film is already. Why make the movie? Why watch it? Why do anything? You also I mean, have to keep in mind, Pat. There, it's a superhero there, movie. Yeah. There are going to be four-year-old kids going to see this movie. Then don't make this movie. <laughs> yeah. But also, it is rated R. So it's well, like, this version is yeah. rated R. The, when they made the theatrical version, and they did have the kids in the cages, they can't show you oh. little kids that are like, "This is you. Yeah. You could be in these cages, little Jimmy." <laughs> And it's like it's true though. But it's true though, exactly. Yeah. But there's the point of at least 
And this is where the studio interference comes in, because yeah. I'm like, all with you. It's like, honestly, if this was a comic book, there'd be fucking kids in those cages. Yeah. That's just the way that the DC comics... They don't really mint shit about that kind yeah, of Yeah, Hollywood's thing. just not going to... They're not going to Hollywood, do that. Hollywood's not going to do that, though. They're, they're not, not looking in the mirror too badly. I mean, it, it was, like, mentioned earlier, like, with um, how the drone footage wasn't included in the theatrical cut mm-hmm. to begin with. It's like, if these things are already be taken... Are already... I mean, are being taken out in the editorial process, it makes me wonder... Yeah. What sort of censorship is already occurring during the script writing phase of it all? Even Even before that, even in just the... The generating of the story itself like and that's the thing that makes me I mean, that's 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 a lot of my gripes that I have with the movie itself it's that it seems like it's just so censored in terms of like the grandioseness of this movie like in the beginning like just seeing the because that's another thing that I uh, noticed in Man of Steel was that I haven't seen before in a movie is just the the sheer amount of chaos and destruction that's occurring between two beings and seeing like all the buildings crumble and then you Mm -hmm. see like this huge space anomaly come in and just wreak havoc on everything and I don't I I haven't really ever seen that in a in a uh, superhero movie before that wasn't censored I mean that that has been heavily censored for instance like in um like uh, Spider-Man or anything like that, you don't really see the toll that it takes on the human beings or just the everyday citizens. Mm-hmm. And then in the beginning of this movie, that's one thing that did draw me in was seeing just the sheer, just the, just the incredible impact that it had on everyday citizens living in the city, just trying to get by with their lives. And it's like, if there's going to be censorship that is applied to this movie that's dealing with such heavy topics as man versus, you know, these incredibly divine beings that should basically send every human being into a spiraling existential crisis where, oh, the world doesn't revolve around us. And they're, like, we strive to be, like, these great beings when they're already beings that are already you know, that have already achieved their greatness, and we will never, ever become anywhere close to that. And it's like, uh, how it was mentioned with the DC Comics, like, showing, like, oh, if if they were talking about people who were trafficking children, they would show the children in that. And this movie, if, you know, it's hard for me to remember that specific scene, but I do remember that there were, like, young women in those cages and stuff, it's like, if you're going to show material like that, you need to not neuter it. You need to not censor it. You need well, to... I think that's the kind of expectations that I feel like we can't be putting on this movie because this movie goes really dark. But, but like, why, why can't we but put But they can't. This movie would never get made. This movie would never get made. It's mainly because it's probably because it's dealing with such seminal characters as Batman and Superman. Yeah. That bothers people, seeing... Their characters oh, doing. I, see, I think like people that's, would that's, would trash on this movie even more. I think people would be way more. I mean, but you're like, right. Like I, Kevin's saying it promotes more conversation for it. It, it does, yeah, yeah. And but I, I, as a viewer, I didn't feel challenged. Exactly. And I want to be challenged when it comes to these to these icons, to these symbols that represent so much. I mean. Batman's been around since like what the 30s, like the 20s even. I'm not 39. sure. Nine, isn't it 38? 39. 38 is Superman. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So yeah, it, they've been they've been a part of like the public consciousness yeah. for almost a millennia. Years. Yeah, they've had some. And uh, I can go into that after Kevin, but yeah, they've gone some. Hmm. You've seen the 50s Superman? Oh yeah, 
Oh some boy, rough stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> he's telling you like punch Japanese people. Oh yeah, in the face. <laughs> oh no, like, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I want to be challenged when it comes to this sort of stuff because, I mean, even you guys bringing up a lot of the uh, how pervasive even just the American culture and the values of the time being put into these these characters in media and whatnot. It's like there's so much influence that gets exerted from these such these renowned figures on the public consciousness. And it's like, if you aren't going to be realistic in terms of showing what actually goes on, then how can you ever expect to be challenged in terms of all the taboos and all the under, all the inner workings that go on in our own society? It's like, isn't that the point of why superheroes even exist? It's to hold a mirror up to society and challenge her values. Why not do that? When you mentioned the drone was cut out, it's one of those things where it's like, I could see exactly what you're saying, where it's such... The the film seems like immediately worse to me if you cut that one scene out, just that one conceptual... Well, they do visual that throughout the theatrical cut. They, they take out, like almost every other scene, they, they would either shift the scene around or they would cut out a line or two or they even cut out, um, yeah, like a couple scenes. Yeah, but Kevin said like, these characters as symbols to us people as well as Americans mm-hmm. and the fact that they're able to go like, no, Superman can't destroy a drone because that sparks the conversation of like how okay is it to have like non-conventional warfare in foreign countries, like regardless of the context of the Middle East and the wars there prior in the Bush administration, how morally responsible are we as Americans to the fact that there's still drones carrying out missile mm-hmm. strikes in those countries that's not like... I think some of them are like there's no formal declaration of any conflict with on the record from America to them. It's just they carry out operations there, attacking targets that are deemed antagonistic to the American country and its people or allies. And it's just if you were to not allow Superman to approach that geopolitical thing, it's just a weird thing of like it feels gross. It feels like for it feels like we're being led by the blind or something, or we have blinders on and they're showing us the way and I want to see what... Yeah, I mean, at least this film at least attempts to show us that. If you compare it to any of the Marvel films, they don't... If you think this film is neutered, you you have to watch all the Marvel films because they don't do... They don't touch upon subjects like this at all. So if you watch that... And if you want to nitpick all that stuff, that I mean, you you have to look at that side of, of the cinema too, uh, superhero cinema, and I think this film at least attempts to do that. Like, yeah, um, I give it we, credit for trying. Ever, I mean, if if we get this film again, or like if we get another version under HBO, I no doubt that they would probably do that. They would probably show kids in those cages if it's under premium cable. Yeah, but this is a three hundred million dollar budgeted film, like. It would not get made. It, at least they attempted to do that. They showed some aspects of that. But um, I think it's a bit unfair or nitpicky to say, like, they need to show cages or they need to show all this other stuff. Like, How is that being I nitpicky, though? It is nitpicky. Like, you're it's saying not. that we need to show it's kids, but, I, like... The comics but, do it. The comics do it. I mean, but yeah, but again, that's comics. But here's the thing. The comics do not have the this budget is, well, of a film. It's not just that. It's... This is a product made for general audiences. The comics can get away with that because they're the fans that come for that shit. So they can get away 
doing some of these hardcore fucking things. I literally just finished reading a comic where Batman gets ripped in half last night in front of his son. (laughs) Yeah. So they can get away with shit. You can't do that in a movie, mainly because it's for general audiences. People like us, we would love to see that shit. Because it's asking those questions. It's talking about things that we want to talk about. People who don't really care about this and just want typical air quotes, Batman and Superman, without so much as the morally gray complexity that those characters are getting now in the comics. They're the reason why people are... I just want them being friends. They're the people that don't like this movie. But... And they're the reason why they had to make this movie certain ways and not have these super graphic things, because all rights and purposes... Like... If you're getting lasered in half, like one of the things, like the the, the nightmare sequence yes. with yeah. Superman being evil and all that shit, I don't think, was the lasering in the original? Or I was it just his it. eyes heating up? Because I don't remember him looking seeing at and cutting through them. There are certain things where they can get away with showing you, as long as it's underhanded, but they're, they're not mincing their words. They're like, children are going to go see this. I think, uh, like... I think superhero movies are going towards this. Because I think we mm-hmm. can all agree, like, any superhero movie, I love a dark fucking superhero movie. Yeah. Like, we would all, I think, Logan. prefer, like, Logan. Yeah. Uh, even Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, the new Joker was great. Oh, yeah. Very dark. Like, I think they can gra- they're gradually, like, going I, I, towards, to yeah. that route. Even Dread. But, yeah, you're right. Like, they can't, can't do all, like, you know, you can't do all that crazy dark mm-hmm. shit. Because like, comic book fans would love but, that. But I think at some point they can. We can, and that, somebody has somebody has to go film. for it. Somebody yeah. has to just do it. Well, They're doing it on small screen, yeah. In TV shows, yeah. And, um, the, the Boys, boys. is yeah. doing that. If Kevin, if you haven't watched The Boys, oh no, I've seen The Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're that's the kind of questions where they're asking these kind of complex questions that not many average studio moviegoers, comic book fan, general audiences want to ask. I, I mm. feel like we could get those darker, explicit material if see. I, I if feel audiences. Like it's not just darker, or more yeah. explicit. It's see, more challenging. I feel like, I feel challenging, like that's yeah. one thing that needs to be addressed right now. It's like we aren't in favor of showing all these dark, depraved no. imagery just for the sake of showing it. If you're gonna hint at it, don't beat around the bush. Like actually show it for what mm-hmm. it is. And I feel like that's. Once again, that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to say that there should be more of that dark stuff in there, but I'm saying don't filter it. Don't mm-hmm. put, don't slap, don't slap um, some censorship on it. I mean, but because, that's the unfortunate reality of this movie, right? I mean, we can say the same for all movies that are trying to depict sex trafficking or depict serial killing. Like, oh, why don't they just show everything? Why don't they show the mutilation? Why don't they show the serial killer doing X, Y, and Z? Like, we can't have everything because not everyone's going to tolerate that or accept it and it's going to make people not pay money to see it so yeah i agree like it would challenge us more it it would make us think otherwise if there was a kid in that cage but we're not ready the general audience is not ready for that we we have we have to understand this like we haven't had superhero movies like this how many superhero movies have been this hard r before I, I think that um, another thing I want to additionally state as well in, in regards to that, it's, it's, not, it's not one of those things where um, 
it's just being there for the sake of being there. Um, and if it's showing it, then, you know, we see everything. I, I think that one thing that, um, one thing that I, uh, noticed about myself whenever I started watching movies and TV shows or any form of media as I've grown up and whatnot is when I get attached to characters, I like to see them, I like to see how they react and how these situations weigh on them throughout the story itself. And I feel like with this movie, there's so much that is brought up that, of course, not everything can be addressed. And that's where it fails, mm -hmm. because it brings up too much. And given the length of the movie, there, had, it, had they taken away less of the plot points that, it, that they got, I mean, that they included in this, more could have been expanded upon it and more could have been um, taken in from each situation because they there would have been much more attention placed on it there would have been much more room to see how these people process these things and how it does affect them and it, it's kind of like a uh, reading a massive uh philosophical text and you finish it let's say in two weeks you're like oh that was a good book and then you move on to another like 600 page lexicon that completely disrupts everything that you learned from that previous book it's like there's no time to process it. And when you do that, you're just, it's in one ear and out the other. And I feel like that's the, I wish that, I just wish that with a lot of the issues that they brought, that they brought up, they would have spent more time actually discussing it. Not, not in like a verbal way or even in a, a visual way, just in whatever way best suited the situation at hand. I want to bring up the, I'm not saying I want the mutilation or the kids in cages because that's not, the Otis isn't on me as a viewer. They're the ones bringing up that topic and that conversation. I want to go to an example of Hoop Dreams. We talked about that for the podcast, the episode got lost. Mm -hmm. But there's a great scene. Uh, the Arthur is 17 years old and he's playing basketball with his dad. And it's like 21 or something. And it shows this tense moment where they're arguing back and forth. And it's getting a bit heated. But that that if you were to write a film and you're like, oh, I want to communicate the relationship, if you were to not show that scene, if you were not, the cameras weren't there that day to catch him, like they're like, they're like kids almost arguing back and forth. But you get so much of their character and personality as real people because it's a documentary. And in films, when and they're a complex relationship, and in films when you're trying to recreate that, if you're trying to bring up the moral ambiguity of like, if as Batman is judge, jury, and executioner, and you have a sex trafficker guy, he gets branded and he's marked for death in prison, but you play it safe. Though this is on them. I'm not saying I want more violent stuff. I want stuff that elevates the characters, like Arthur and his dad arguing over a game of 21, but it's really about their relationship and their conflict is the son who's now grown into a mature man and the father who's losing his son. That's what the scene is. or that will ha That's what happened in the documentary. That's what's communicated there. And then, yeah, that's why I want to just, I'm not just yeah. saying like, oh, I want kids in cages now. I'm saying <laughs> I want stuff to feel worth it and earned. Yeah. And if you're going to yes. bring up something, stick to your goddamn guns or else I lose respect for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess we just have to disagree to, or agree to disagree because I already feel like they did enough. And for us to like already have the conversation, it means that the film is doing at least something. No, they do right, more than along the like, way. I agree so with you completely on that. Um... Okay, so yeah, uh, let's just let's just move along. Um, uh, damn, I feel like we're bashing on the movie. I have so much good stuff to say about it. Like, um, 
Lois Lane. I thought Amy Adams as Lois Lane did a terrific job compared to her recent iterations as Lois Lane. Um, they always had her as a damsel in distress, and they kind of she was kind of a more of a generic character who only liked Superman and not Clark Kent. Um, but uh, in this version, I felt like she was her own character. She um, had her own motivations, and she actually like put herself in dire situations. And she like, and it, in in this film, like she, yeah, she was just way more um, hands on with her approach. And I like how sassy she is when she met uh, Jimmy Olsen, where he was like, "Oh, how did you get this job?" Blah blah blah, and she's like. Where's Herod? And you know, um, he doesn't I say a her. goddamn thing. Yeah, <laughs> and I like I like that about that person. It's just like, damn, she's really sassy. Um, I loved I loved uh, Amy Adams in the role. I felt I didn't feel like anyone in the film phoned it in. I thought everyone brought their A game. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White was really great. Uh, he had some really funny lines. I loved the um, Alice in Wonderland reference when he was looking for Clark Kent. Um, you know, where he says, uh, where does Clark go nowadays? And he just tap his shoes three times and he just goes, goes off to Kansas. Like, I love that line. It's so funny. Um, but I love the aspect where, like, he, um, you know, the, with the whole headlines, like, he manipulates the headlines and he tells Clark what he can and cannot write and, like, what what is appropriate for their, like, material. Um, there's that there. You know, even Clark can't always see fit, you know, see eye to eye with Perry White on, like, what needs to be, you know, in the media. I love that part of the film. Um, and, uh, does anyone have any objections to, like, Batman killing this movie, or does anyone have any strong feelings about him doing that? Because I, from what I've heard from a lot of people, or most people, is that Batman does not kill, and so that... Well, Batman I never people. understood that. That's Nolan. Batman kills people. That's, I think that's Christopher Nolan... But he Ultimatums. also kills in Christopher Nolan Dark Knight. He kills people. Does he? Yeah, yeah he does. He, he like he, drives he over killed, cars. He kills uh, people. He killed Ra's al Ghul. Like he's like, I don't have to save you. Oh, that's one of those little like, yeah. Yeah, but it's still he Gray has areas. a direct hand in killing him. Um, Let's just say this: Batman never directly takes out a gun and shoots someone in the face, except, except for that one time <laughs> he did that. In, except for yeah. that one time he did that to Darkseid, because he shoots Darkseid in the face. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Maiming people, he's all for it. Yeah, I don't care if Batman kills people. Yeah, I, I always view, view it as like a Dark Knight thing because Joker's big thing is like, you won't kill me, yeah. you won't kill me. So I think everyone me. just accepted that as mm-hmm. that's what Batman does. He doesn't kill. And see, uh, I thought that trilogy was neutered in its own way. Um, that's why I find this movie far more superior than any of the any of the Nolan movies because if. If you think this film is neutered, you just watch those movies over again. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I thought that Christian Bale's Batman was more distracting than it was actually great. Like, his voice is what everyone makes fun of all the time. You can't think of Bale's Batman and, and not make fun of his growly voice, his Clint Eastwood impression. Like, it's just, it's tough for me to watch those movies again. It's just like, dang, I already have a far more superior version of Batman. And in Zack Snyder's film. Um, and even the fight sequences are way superior than any of those films or the Marvel films have ever done. Um, they really stepped up on the choreography. Um, the warehouse scene is uh, pretty iconic to me. Um, yeah, what do you guys... I thought um, the warehouse scene was awesome. That was a good good fight scene for sure. 
Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know why I like Bayo more. I feel like Ben Affleck, like, there's no dialogue. There's no good, like, like the interrogation scene between him and, between uh, Bayo Batman and Keith Ledger, that's, like, so good. I don't care how corny his voice is. That's, like, amazing. And there's, like, <laughs> I feel like there's nothing that Ben Affleck does where he, where I go, like, wow, like, that was an awesome, like, scene, like, of acting or anything, you know? But he, he's super, like, he's not bad either, like... He's a great Bruce plays a great Bruce Bruce Wayne, super suave, like yeah. awesome suits and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I like Bale Batman more. Who who do you like more? Donald? I like them for different reasons. Or um, who's your favorite, I guess? I like um I feel like I like uh Christian Bale Batman a little bit more just for the sake of they're showing him doing more like the detective work. See, that's what I like more. Because yeah. yeah. Batman is usually stereotypically, it's like him doing detective work, at least how, how how a comic goes, you expect to see him doing detective work and then him kicking some dude's ass. So that's the reason I like Christian Bale Batman a little bit better. That's not to say Batfleck didn't do his detective work. He mean, he did. And he was very imposing doing his uh, fight scene. To date, that's probably one of the more brutal live-action Batman fight scenes that we've had. Um, I would say that he even plays Bruce Wayne a little bit better. He's he's the suave, debonair, kind of aloof kind of guy where it's like, yeah, he's the billionaire playboy. He just he just does his Bruce Wayne thing. You don't think that he's Batman. Um, but I don't know. It's something about just the, the, the menacing uh, air that Christian Bale Batman brings to him. And it's not because of the voice. <laughs> it's not. It's not because he sounds like. Uh, the, the thing uh, is, I don't even see. I don't see the menacing air that you're talking about. Like, it's he's not just comes this from five foot ten scrawny guy in a suit, and I don't exactly. see him being. I don't <laughs> see a, him being imposing at all. He is a five foot ten scrawny dude in a suit who can literally fuck you up. The, the that, American he's pretty big. He's pretty over. big. <laughs> he's pretty big. He's and pretty by the way, slow. he is not. He is six foot two, and roughly, at least in Dark Knight Rises, he's about two hundred and ten pounds. To the yeah. point where he actually wasn't fitting in the bat suit. <laughs> they're like, yo, yo, fat man. Too many roids. <laughs> they, literally, they're like, you got too big. You need to, like, cut down because yeah. you're too shredded. But at least the it's it's not for the sake that Ben Affleck isn't imposing. He's fucking, like, six foot four. Yeah. Awesome. I think it comes down to just the how they sh- depicted both. And at least Ben Affleck Batman came off as a little bit more comic booky. In some ways, that's good. In some ways, that's bad. Good aspect is his Batcave. Loved his Batcave. That shit was awesome. Yeah. His suit, with like all the fake muscles in there, I kind of didn't necessarily like that. That's where I think the Christian Bale Batman wins more, because it's like, he's in like a military-grade exoskeleton mm-hmm. type thing, where it's like, he's wearing modern body armor. That kind of shit. And, and what mm-hmm. I didn't like about that version was his movement. I didn't really oh, yeah. see him moving around as Batman, like, because... I think from what Christopher Nolan talked about the movies is that it was hard for um, Christian Bale to like, move around in the suit because of it, what they made. It was hard to move his head. And <laughs> yeah, so they, just they kept the, the Christian Bale, or not the Christian, they kept the, uh, the, the um, Tim Burton cowl yeah. type yeah. thing where he like has to move his entire torso <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to look around, which is why in the second movie, the, the thing where, where Bruce Wayne is like, can I move my head? That's actually Christian Bale, like, can I move my head in this next bat suit, please? 
Yeah. In terms of, like, the fight scenes and fight choreography, I think that the Batfleck Batman was great. And I say that because he's using, like, at least in that one fight scene, I was trying to count different, like, techniques and movements from multiple martial arts. I think I got up to, like, 11. Um, I'm only seeing one with, with Christian Bale Batman. That being said, it is uh, a relatively new one. It's called Kesey. It, it's essentially designed to function in very tight-knit spaces. Um... So I like them for different reasons. Uh, yeah. There was a funny... I think in the Bale or Batfleck, whatever one, there was a funny moment where there's like third or fourth guy like who's not the one currently yeah. punched. He's like, let me walk with my M16. Like, oh, this ground's slippery. Like, I can't aim it. He gets real close. And then Batman turns around. Like, okay, it's time to disarm you and knock you out. <laughs> well, that's the other thing about that. Or I'm just like, I'm watching that. That's in every film. I'm watching Those are that. Like, like, yeah. Shitty superhero. Yeah. And I'm just like, goons. you're a stuntman. You're a stuntman. You're a stuntman. For some reason, to make it look like they're doing something, they'll like move their arms around, like yeah. wax on, wax on. You just imagine X, shit. like, yeah, in just, the video like, game. Just get a little closer. My <laughs> story, he's like, he's like, <laughs> his gun's in his hands, but he's like three, five feet away. He's like, yeah. But he's aiming down. He's like, I gotta get closer. I gotta get closer <laughs> with my rifle. Yeah. The thing I will say about that fight is, I do like that they literally. He was brute, uh, or Batman was like wailing on the dude, and some dude just walks up and caps in the back of the head with like a handgun. Yeah, it's like you never really think that that would happen, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a, uh, like a question you would think would come up, but it's like yeah, that that's something he would have to deal with. Otherwise, he's dead his first night out. Yeah, I felt like um, this version of Batman felt more grounded mm-hmm. in in the sense of uh, the world that was built up for this movie, and I really enjoyed that. Um, especially the the ending suit that he had, like it's oh, it's dark. It's it's Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns suit. Totally. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And the reason why I like this version of Batman is because it seems like he's already gotten to a point in his life where he has amassed this wealth of knowledge and he's been doing this for an incredibly long time and he's still nowhere... Like, he's still like, nowhere closer to achieving his goal. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's it's a very... I don't know, it's such a like crestfallen version of Bruce Wayne and Batman, but he's still doing it as much of, like, a Sisyphean task... Yeah, exactly. Like, ...placed upon himself. And... I feel like uh, Ben Affleck in this role does shine. I feel like if he had been given a bit more room to... Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess that if there was just a bit more added to his story, it, it would have really shown, I guess, the, the range that he had. Mm-hmm. And if if there is another movie that comes out with him in it, I'm not... I'm, I'm not uh, I don't know about any other movies um, just because I don't follow it. But um, I'd be very much like looking forward to what is also added to this iteration of Batman mm-hmm. compared to uh, the previous ones with um, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, and like a few other ones. But um, yeah, I, I do like this depiction of him just because it is much more. It's the tech-oriented one that appears in Frank Miller's mm-hmm. uh, graphic novel, and it's like you could tell that he's putting every ounce of his. Um, focus and drive into building up this suit to take on like a a godlike being mm-hmm. and this is it's like that's the that's what I would imagine Batman doing if he were conflicted with this um this daunting being whereas in uh, Christian Bale's depiction of Batman I do enjoy just he does have a bit more of a of a uh, 
of a darker, more intimidating one that I, I do pick up on as yeah. well that you were mentioning, Donald. And I, I don't know. I just liked one thing that I wish that, or I would like to see a movie that, that takes on the role of the spectators more than the actual superheroes because seeing the footage of a uh, Batman inside of the, um, Oh, the West know, Court when, building when he yeah. comes down. Yeah, like oh, I, I would love to get, I would love to get more of that where he's like a mythical creature yeah, hunting it, you in the night. It's it's kind of like Godzilla, yeah, or like Predator, or like any any types of those things. Like I would love to get a uh, a superhero movie in the perspective of just an everyday citizen mm-hmm. going about their lives. Well, that's why some see. people didn't like Godzilla because that's what they did with that uh, twenty twelve version. Right? They were like, oh my god, I only got to see Godzilla for like five or ten minutes. People were really upset. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine if, if we did a similar thing to this Batman version, people would be extremely like, upset. I can I, get what you're saying, though, because it's like, it, take it, it's like you just go to a perspective of like a henchman who's like pissing himself because Batman is like in the warehouse. Yeah, and you, and you see like the reasons why this person is doing this to begin with. Like, what if they have, like, children to feed, like, yeah. all that other sort of thing. Like, I, it's not, th- I'm not trying to say that I wanted this movie to be like that. I'm just saying I would love to see a movie like that because mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a um, glossed over perspective. Yeah. And that's one of the initial pulls that I had in the opening sequences of it. It's like, oh, Bruce Wayne is just another person. He's mm-hmm. like, he could easily die by a piece of debris mm-hmm. crushing him in a matter of seconds. And I don't know. I, I would love to see that, though. I think that uh, that's what I loved about the opening scene when we do see Batman in the corner of the guy, uh, yeah, where he was torturing the uh, sex trafficker, and then you I, see him at just the corner. Up in the corner, calls yeah. on the roof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I love that we do kind of get that spectatorship, but yeah, um, there was it would more be it. more interesting to get more of that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they probably would have done it if they got Ben Affleck to do that solo film that he wanted to do before they kicked him off, but... Um, it's unfortunate that it didn't. So, I, I think I think it's just because he had to share uh, screen time with Henry Cavill. Is that you know there was only so much that they can balance, like showing Batman's side and showing um, Clark Kent's, uh, Superman's side uh, of being, you know, being their alter egos. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I really love the De La De Los Muertos scene that was incredibly shot really well and i love the music that plays for superman i love superman's theme in this movie um by hans zimmer and junkie xl like they did a great job of giving each character their own like theme and um especially for wonder woman as well when she comes in i thought that was so epic when she comes in and and she even shows a bit of character as well like when she's getting um blown back by Doomsday, and she gives that little smirk, like, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this, like, I'm, I'm ready for battle, like, because, you know, she's probably been uh, hidden away from society, like she said, for, like, a century. Um, she's probably been on the low for a long time, and, um, yeah, like, I love that aspect of Wonder Woman. I thought Gal uh, Godot did a really great job as Wonder Woman, and um, the Wonder Woman movie was, uh, was alright. Um, the final act is always terrible, but... Um, I thought her embodying Wonder Woman, I thought she was the perfect Wonder Woman. And when she speaks to Bruce Wayne at the museum and he, like, grabs her arm and she gives him that look, it's just, like, she gives him the look, like, I'm, I can tear your arm off right now. Like, I, I love the little nuances in their performances that I uh, catch 
when I rewatch these films. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you have any... I want to talk about the nuke. Alright. Okay. You guys remember the nuke was in the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the hell was up with that? The I get the I get the purpose, but that was one of those things like out of left field. That it was just a deterrent and like we have this. It's all oh, they're in space. Yeah. Shoot a nuke at them. I was like, yeah. hold on. Yeah, I want to see. Really There's, fast, yeah. That's an immense thing. That's a historical it, moment for and, them to just drop on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh uh, yeah yeah we're shooting a nuke into space at Superman. I was like oh are you gonna call up like. The other nations with nukes and like, oh, we're having a th- we're launching yeah. a nuclear missile. No, this is a special nuke that can kill Kryptonians because it's got kryptonite in it, and no one else has it. And it's like, is that what it is? That's what they said. They're just like, this is a special armament with infused with crypt- kryptonite that we have specifically engineered to take out Superman. And they literally, it's literally like a one sentence thing in that office with those military. Oh, so it did have kryptonite in it. It did, but wouldn't it have affected Doomsday? It would have killed Doomsday, but the problem is we can get into that. Um, Doomsday is a lot more uh, durable, I guess you could say, than 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 Superman is. Um, Because like he got shot with like one of those like kryptonite smoke grenades, and that like affected. It was also like all the space, but yeah, there's like, and then at least with Superman like in the in space, that's also like. Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns yeah. reference. Granted, mm-hmm. and that he wasn't in space. He was, like, in a field, and he sucked the solar radiation out of flowers, which was awesome, but... I just yeah. thought, thought it was funny. It was like, we got the nuke ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this thing's just here! And guys yeah. just run in. Big red button. Keys in the machine turns. Like, don't we have to, like, call people? And, like, first it's, like, a yes. whole, like, humanity thing? It was literally, like, a... Five no no more like a like a ten second discussion like watch the nuke <laughs> yeah, we yeah. have a Kryptonian one <laughs> and then, yeah then it cuts to them in space fighting and then the nukes on the way it's like no I want like the horror of like a nuke of people seeing by. the nuke yeah, launch. Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on of Bruce being like the fuck are you idiots doing yeah. and also um, Martian Manhunter was in the movie um, I was wondering I don't know if you guys know who. Which character that was? I remember Justice League, but I don't know. He was in the movie. He, the one who um, spoke with Lois Lane, quite a few scenes. Um, she's the one who came to him with the bullet. He's um, the colonel. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, so if all goes to shit, is he gonna transform into the Martian to help everybody, or is he just going to like pretend to be human the whole time? Right? He was like a flat character. I didn't even know he was Martian Manhunter. I thought it was just like, yeah, an exposition piece for Lois Lane. I honestly forgot he was Martian Manhunter because I was like, his assistant is Green Lantern's girlfriend. That's what I was paying attention to. And that, yeah, I forgot that was Martian Manhunter, to be real honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was watching the uh, Zack Snyder's commentary, the whole three-hour thing, and he mentioned that. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. It would have been nice to him get, like, some glowing red eyes or at least him to shapeshift to um, me to know that that's actually Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Other, um, but okay. <laughs> oh, and they also had um, Jenna Malone in the movie. For yeah, a couple scenes. She's the blonde girl. Um, she was the one that Lois took the bullet to to get the analysis of, and uh, Lois yeah, they, was like they, putting everything together. They cut her out in the theatrical version. Yeah, but, uh, that whole thing about Lois putting two and two together about the bullets being LexCorp engineered and Lex Luthor engineering the whole thing that happened in Iraq. That wasn't in the theatrical cut. What Not Iraq what character is Nairobi? Nairobi. Yeah. Huh? What? what character is she? What is her name? She, she, she literally had like one. She literally has one, like one or two one lines. Scene. But she like it's a, one scene. Is she a comic book character? I don't. Yeah, she, I looked her up. She. She well, is. What's her name? She's a character. I don't know if it's comic book character, but um, I looked up Jack 
the character who was the seminal uh, uh, linchpin and deciding Bruce Wayne should kill Superman. He's no <laughs> one important. His name's Jack O'Driscoll. Fucking O'Driscolls. Um, <laughs> no, Jack Driscoll, sorry. But yeah, like, no, like, he's not anybody. He's not anybody important. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> That's like the, cool. yeah, the film feels like it reaffirms that. Like he's not he's not he's important. not Batman or Superman, so why should we care about his story? It's like, no, I want to see but it. It's like <laughs> he was important enough to make Batman hate Superman, so what is all this about? And yeah. There's a lot there. <sighs> um well Richie's looking for that. I was just gonna say, um I did like the fact that at least this is and we get this, we get this as like I'll make it quick. This is like a Batman that has been around for a while. We were talking about that. He's He's seen some things. He's he's dealt with the Joker, presumably a Robin. We don't know which Robin. A Robin has been killed. So he does he doesn't have any like moral center for to like looking at the best possible situation, which is why he does this with that with with Superman. In comparison, I like the fact that they're bringing in stuff from like New 52 comics, which is in that storyline, superheroes had only been around for, like, five years. So they're still super new, super inexperienced. That's what Man of Steel Superman, this Henry Cavill Superman, is based on. So, like, he hasn't been around doing anything very long. What we see at the very beginning with Metropolis being destroyed with Zod, that's, like, his debut to the world. So... While he now knows to, like, go away into, like, the middle of nowhere, like, Goku fighting somebody, like, fight in the middle of the wilderness where you can do all the collateral damage you want and no one dies. He didn't know that yet. Um, so he's still putting stuff together, but at the same time, um, he has, like, different aspects of, like, what makes Superman Superman and essentially... He's the most human person, and this is, like, something Pat... This is the reason why Pat loves All-Star Superman, is, like, he's he's just a person. He He's the most human person you will ever meet. Um, when he was created, yeah, he was being used for, like, political propaganda, because it was, like, during World War II and all that stuff, but modern times, at least, he's... at least represents what the best qualities of America is, which is... Freedom and individuality and truth, truth, justice, the American way, not the racism part. Um, <laughs> but essentially living up to being the best person that you can be and doing the best thing, the right thing to do, morally and ethically speaking. And at least I feel it wasn't explicitly spoon-fed to you, but that was at least very well illustrated in this film. At least for me. Yeah, Janet Clyburn, she was in, like, Earth One um, era or something. What did she do? Even I don't she know. Was a, she was just a really small character. Okay, she that's why like, I don't remember who she yeah, is. But it was sometimes just, yeah. those little characters are super important. Sometimes it's like, whatever. Yeah. No, she's point just like, I was like, is that Batgirl or something? Or? No, 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 just no, like, no, no that's, that's what the speculation was, that everyone thought she was going to play a big role. Or she yeah, because it's a um, named which actress. Which I would have loved, because I love Jenna Malone. Um, but no, no, she's just a really... Minor character. Some person. Um, but yeah, uh, any closing thoughts about this film? Um, yeah, I just thought that maybe the critical reception um, really dampered this film. And uh, every time I talk to somebody about it or they mention it, they're like, oh, I heard that movie's crap or blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, 
I think this movie is more nuanced than just being shit to some people. Um, and even shout out to, uh, to Yash, who commented on one of her posts on Instagram, which you guys should follow at Lay Film Podcast, um, where he even said that to some, you know, to quote him, to some extent, you know, he liked this film. And thank you for commenting and saying that. Uh, I don't want people to be afraid to say whether or not they like something. You know, the fact that he had to say in that kind of context really s- says a lot about how the critics and the media are, are affecting our perception and our opinions on things. So I think it's okay to, you know, like what we did today, like to express the fact that if you didn't like something, you can say it and we can critique it and understand why. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, so with that being said, thanks for joining us today, Donald, for our podcast. You really brought a lot of your yeah. comic book expertise to uh, our review. If we, if y'all ever do another one or any other type thing, I'm, I'll, I'll come, I'll come talk. Yeah, I think you, you did a really great job. Uh, we're gonna do Robert today. Pattinson's Batman. Oh, we're gonna do the Pat Bat. Uh-oh. That'll be our first theatrical pod pat bat <laughs> hell yeah i'll talk about pat bat, pat bat. well we're gonna pat have to bat. wait like almost another year yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's exciting there's like war jokes and riddles easter eggs in there oh i love it yeah. i love it so much oh okay so do you think they're gonna go r-rated with this new batman absolutely it looks like they are they're leading themselves towards it at least like i was just saying this seems to be very new batman very brutal very very new to the game, a la, like, Batman Year One or New 52 Batman. I heard Batman. that he's yeah. Batman Year Two. Batman Year Two? upcoming one. Ooh. Well, so. okay, that just means it's, like, the second year of Batman Year One, but it's, yeah. like, he's still very new to this, so yeah. I think they might go rated R. It would behoove them to, because this is when the character is not doing very Batman-y things. He's, 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 like, breaking people's arms and using it to, like, throw them into a wall. Yeah, he's, he's a hard-ass right now, but I hope they do. hope they do. Yeah. yeah. Same. All right, well, that ends it for our podcast. Um, thanks for tuning in, and uh, definitely send us email at latefilmpodcast.gmail.com and follow us and subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Yo. Yeah.